Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken. I'm joining me in studio. As always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan Jay. I sent an email to John Elway saying, hey, listen, I was I was quarterback back in the playground days. If you need a quarterback, uh, he said, oh, thank you, but your services are not required. I got one, too, from him. Yeah. I was so sad about that. And another person who got that same email, he is the senior sports editor of the ODPH podcast. He is your coach. He is my coach. He is the coach. Coach Duffy. It's good to be back. It's good, good to be here. It's good to have you back in studio, my friend. Yes. As always. And we're glad that you are joining us as well, wherever you're listening to this fine podcast at. So definitely join in that conversation on social media. You can find all our accounts and so, so much more at OchoDuroParleyHour.com, and always remember to use the hashtag ODPH. So let's kick off the sports edition of the podcast, talking about the NFL and our locks and leaps as we do all season. So, Pad, kick us off. Yeah, so I'm going to start with my lock. I chose the Green Bay Packers to beat the Chicago Bears, and holy sugar cookies did they ever. Uh, Green Bay won by the final score of 41-25. to Aaron Rodgers had 21 of 29 for 211 yards passing, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Mitchell uh, Maserati Trubisky, uh, 26 of 46 for 242 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Coach, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I would initially like to just talk about Matt Nagy calling out his team and coaching staff. Go right ahead. Because, I mean, to me, it's like, my guy, you're the head coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, doesn't it start and end with you? I mean, you that's... Think. That's just crazy to me. I mean, he came out and had a very, very, you know, just not nice comment to say about yeah. his team that, you know, you would think like, hey, you want the players to try and rally around you. Sure. You know, you are a sure. five and six team. You're in the playoff hunt, you know, in the NFC. And then you come and, yeah, all right, it's not a great performance against this Green Bay Packer team. But, like, you know, really, what have you brought to the table as far as a head coach? You know, I mean, this offense is anemic. Uh, defensively, you know, you're, you're strong, you know, obviously they're, they're missing a couple players. Uh, they've got some injuries there, but, um, you know, you still got Khalil Mack, you still got a really good secondary and, you know, you, your offense doesn't help put any points on the board. So yeah, I think that was a bad take by Nagy. Oh, absolutely. Because, okay. You may not like the plays, you may not like the, the schemes, but ultimately, you know, as the saying goes, the buck stops with you. You know, if, if you're a head chef at a restaurant and you don't like, and, and you don't like some of the meals that are being done, you know, some of them are selling. You can talk to your your other chefs and your other cooks and whatever and be as pissed as you want, but ultimately they're not the ones making the choice to change the meals or maybe change the options. That's you. You know, you if you don't like some schemes, change it up. Like they can they can say, oh, we're going to do X, Y, and Z, but you can sit there and go, nah. You know, we've been trying that. It just hasn't been working. Let's go a different direction about this. My favorite part of this entire game though was Tariq Cohen didn't play. He was at home. And, and he said he wasn't going to watch the game so that the Bears could play better. You know, a little superstitious. I understand that. I can get that. Yeah, holy shit, this game got out of hand quick. I mean, you just look at, you know, Rodgers, four touchdown passes. He crashed. He, crashed. he passed uh, 50,000 career passing yards during the game. <sighs> you know, Green Bay, 21 points in the, in the second quarter alone, 14 in the third quarter. This was just dominant in all facets of the game. 
If the Jets weren't such a big dumpster fire, I think Chicago would give them a run for the money. Dude, oh. well, no, they're five and six. I mean, at one point they were first place in the division. But here is where the ship goes sinking. This happened again. What last year? At least, yeah. I want to say mean, this is a pattern that the Bears are going through. That well, you, you, your defense is showing up, but your offense seriously well and i and i saw something they're one of a hand and i can't remember the exact number the way the exact stat was put out on twitter because lord knows i never been able to find it now i saw it probably about 12 hours ago yeah but the bears are one of a handful of teams to win like five or four or five games in a row and then just have an absolute collapse like this and lose like four or five six in a row yeah this is a pattern and it's insanity because you're repeating the same action over and over again with no good result Nagy has just completely lost his team. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, you had the breakdown, much like we've seen with certain other coaches as well, yeah. that you're trying to call out your players. Yeah. I understand the motivation factor, sure. but how it came off, man. There's it, better it, ways to motivate your players than doing this. It, it was not a good take, and I would not doubt if. No, and I mean, I'm looking at the Bears' schedule. You know, They won their first three games, beating Detroit, the Giants, and Atlanta. Lost in Week Four against the Colts. They beat Tampa Bay and Carolina, and then they've lo- and then they lost to the Rams, Saints, Titans, Vikings, and now Green Bay. It's unacceptable, and this is a pattern they've been doing. I can't stress that enough. And to flip the coin, shout out to JVD because I know he was marking out about this as well over at uh, the Crossover Collision. Aaron Rodgers is making a case that Ooh. did you all forget about me? Did you really? With all, everybody yeah. else going on in the NFL. Four touchdowns, 211 yards. Allow me to reintroduce myself. Yeah. and Zero sacks, so kudos to that offensive line. It's ridiculous to see the Bears just get pounded like that at Lambeau, where they've always played Green Bay tough. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I had the Bears, you know, it was like an eight-and-a-half-point spread, mm-hmm. and I, I picked the Bears because I was like, Sunday night, you know, the Bears are playing well. Trubinsky is going to, you know, maybe bring some value back to this offense that, sure. you know, looked really bad the last couple of weeks with Foles at the helm. And, you know, we're, they'll make a run. You know, I obviously thought Green Bay was going to win. I just didn't right. think they were going to win by this much. Oh, I didn't. I didn't either. Just it's, it's something about, you know, I couldn't look at Chicago and go, oh, yeah, I think Chicago Chicago's going to win. Because there's just something about Aaron Rodgers up against Chicago when the game's on NBC where just wacky, wild stuff happens. He's the guy that rises to the occasion under the bright lights. Mm-hmm. He always has mm-hmm. been. This was no exception. I just didn't think they were going to absolutely beat them as badly as they did, nearly no. double. And this goes to show that the Green Bay Packers are the real deal. They are who Sh- we thought they were. Exactly, and Chicago is who we thought they were too, pretenders. I mean, there's no other way to put no. it. Your defense shows up every week, but they are exhausted. They look beat down. Oh, yeah. And when you can't keep them off the field so they can rest and give them a break, mm-hmm. that you're really struggling to keep them off, Yeah, you're not going to get anywhere with it. And I'm sorry, Maserati Mitch, park the car back in the garage. I don't know what you can do. I mean, yeah. sure, three touchdowns, 242, but you also had two interceptions. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I to be honest, though, uh, the, the fumbles that – the one fumble, he, I mean, he got face masked yeah. hard twice. So okay. the one, I'll, I mean, one I'll give him that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I listen. We've all we said this going into the season that you know the Bears offensively, you know, are lackadaisical. You know that they miss pieces that really, you know, Allen Robinson as a good of a wide receiver, you know, as he has the potential to be, isn't a number one. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's clearly shown. And you know, for as good as. Um, 
you know, the tight ends, um, Cole Komet, you know, and everybody, you know, and J they got, you know, Jimmy Graham too, you know, can be. Unfortunately, they don't have a quarterback that can get the ball to them or get pass protected to get the ball there. I mean, that's a, you know, as a Giants fan, let's talk about that real quick. I mean, if you don't have time to step up in the pocket, <laughs> you're yeah, doomed, you're do you know? Anything, so yeah. I just, to me, the biggest thing is, you know, and I know I'm harping on the Bears is it's just, this is a problem with the coaching staff. I, I mean, you're seeing coaches get, you know, let go left and right this season, which has been pretty interesting given the fact of the COVID year. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, after those comments, you know, because the biggest thing is once a coach gives up, you know, as the we've talked about, yeah. you know, being a offensive or defensive guru, mm -hmm. once said person gives up that responsibility and you still aren't producing, you know, on that side mm -hmm. of whatever you're the guru on, mm -hmm. it's time to go. You yeah. know what I mean? So, to me, if I'm the Bears and after this comment, you know, if they don't come out and play well, I don't I don't see any reason why Nagy still has a job come Monday. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, just for as good as the Bears' defense was, Green Bay just absolutely shredded them. You know, if you look at the rushing, uh, they as a team, they averaged 4.7 yards per carry on rushing, receiving uh, 10 yards per catch. Yeah. It, Oof. It, it just goes to show about the day and night difference between these two teams. Mm -hmm. Green Bay is the real deal. And as long as you have Aaron Rodgers at that home, it doesn't matter if your defense is playing subpar or yeah. amazing, you'll be in every game. Yep. And it just goes to show how valuable he is to that team, and he is the catalyst for that offense. And he has definitely got to be in that MVP conversation. Not saying he's a lock to win. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. you gotta, you got to put him in there. But you have to put him back in there. Like yeah. You have to definitely remember, because obviously everybody's talking Russell Wilson and mm -hmm. Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. Rodgers is still here saying, we've got a chance to really make a run for the playoffs. Like, yeah. why, why are you guys forgetting about me? And to flip the coin, like I say, with Chicago, Nagy making those comments was very Bruce Arians-like, mm -hmm. and that is not going to win your locker room no. over. No, no. So we will get into that a little later. But for Chicago, either they come out and absolutely put a whooping on the field or they're going to be done. Yeah. And Nagy should be gone if they are absolutely destroyed this coming well, Sunday. I mean, though, to that whole Nagy thing, it's just it's crazy because, I mean, you know, Patricia. Sure. Gone, you know, and, sure. and – uh, Bill O'Brien gone, you know, and and then you look at the Jets. <laughs> yeah, well, the not Jets. gone. Yeah, I mean, how you know how they haven't let go? Of, what's his face? Gase. Uh, Gase how yeah. they haven't let go of him after yeah. this? Yeah, is I, nuts. I mean, because I don't know if you saw their comments going into uh, Sunday's game against the Dolphins, but no. when Sam Darnold came back, they had both wide receivers in. You know, obviously Frank Gore as the starting running back. Yeah, you know, he had said and touted, you know, we're going to see hyperdrive. You know, you're going to see my full offense come to fruition, and they didn't show up. No, they didn't. Bum, 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 bum. And yeah. I, think, I, think, I think at this stage, of the, so, Jets, the Jets are like, where are you out of competition? No, and I, honest to God, I mean, I, you know you don't want to say, like, the players quit, but, like, geez. No, they, they, I mean, they quit. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're done. Questions. They're done. They checked out, and they're already making an off-season plan. I picked the Jets to win this game based on the fact of division game, like mm -hmm. you always talk sure, about. Sure, You know, uh, a little bit of self-pride here. The Dolphins, Could be you know, rival fast. team. Fitzpatrick coming into play. You know, all these things. You know, Sam Darnold coming back. All these things were, you know, looking as if like, all right, this is a, an opportunity for a Jets team to yeah, come in and just yeah. steal a win. Yeah. And they didn't even – three points. Yeah. I know we're changing – I mean, no, 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 on but the Jets, no, but, but, no, but like, you're getting shit. back to the same point because when the coach is that ineffective communicating to their team, mm -hmm. it shows on the field. The Jets are atrocious. The Jets are the bottom shelf of the NFL. Here's a question for you, though, and I can't take credit for this. i got to give credit to my brother on this one. Let me pull up. Uh, I was talking with my brother the other day. Uh, he said, uh, real question is, could the Jets beat a QB-less Denver? Uh, he goes, we shall call it the shit bowl. No. 
They, uh, they couldn't be. Yeah, no, I don't think so. No, because the Jets have clearly shown that they're done. They're I, they're mentally checked out. I would definitely be. I could see a ten six game. Like it wouldn't be. Oh yeah. it wouldn't be any offense. I could, I could see a three two game. Yeah, yeah. You might see something like that because the Jets are so anemic that they, like I said, they're the bottom shelf. Yeah. Chicago is right around them, and it's so weird to say because when they came out and everybody's like, "Oh, they're possible contenders." No, because Chica- we've seen this happen before. Yeah. yeah, and at least Chicago has some pieces there. You know, you've got Khalil Mack on defense. Yeah, you have a defense. You you got a defense. You got. Well, Allen Robinson is over as is one of their wide receivers, I believe. You know, so they've got some guys, but it's like the Jets. Who the name me one fucking person that's not named Sam Darnold or Joe Flacco that's on that team? Yeah, you have Frank Gore, and the only reason I know yeah. because he's, he's been everywhere. He, he's the ageless wonder. But everybody else, no, is gone. And the Jets have clearly mailed it in. That's why I think they're just going to sink the battleship. Gates will be gone that first Monday after the season's done, pending on whenever the last game is. Mm-hmm. I think right now that they've just completely mailed it in. But for Chicago to tailspin as bad as they've done for how many times in a row, mm-hmm. look, the writing's on the wall. Nagy's got to go. I'm, yep. I'm not wishing for anybody to get fired. But no. listen, if you're going to be a franchise moving forward, you got to make the change at the helm. If you don't, have fun just looking at the Packers in the rearview mirror because mm-hmm. that's all you're going to see. Going to your leap, though, Pat. Uh-huh. I chose the Tennessee Titans to beat the Indianapolis Colts and Lord have mercy, did we have an old-fashioned Western shootout with this one. Uh, Tennessee won by the final score of 45-26. to uh, Ryan Tannehill, 13 of 22 for 222 yard, 221 excuse me, yards passing. One touchdown, no interceptions. Phillip Rivers, 24 of 42 for 295 yards passing. Two touchdowns, one interception. And I should note, Derrick Henry, another beast of a game. 27 carries, 178 yards, and three touchdowns. I believe all of them before the second quarter or something bonkers like that coach your thoughts yeah i mean it's crazy because Derek, like so up until like november like mid-november it was the you know derrick henry was there but it was really Tannehill was playing really yeah. well you know yeah. i mean mm-hmm. obviously there was that game uh the tennessee um oh shit what game did they go to overtime I'm that Derrick Henry like just smashed oh, it for like yeah. 67 yeah, yards and yeah, then yeah. eventually I, punched in the touchdown. Yeah, like uh, outside of the Chargers, no, Baltimore. 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 So like outside of that game, you know, I mean, it's really Tannehill's been playing very well. But now you come November and you're just feeding the beast and yeah. just letting Derrick Henry just run all over people right now. I mean, his carries have increased, his yeah. yards have increased. I think he went from averaging like 4.1 yards per carry to 5.4. Since November fifteenth, yeah. I mean, I'm lo- uh, yeah, I'm looking at the stats. September, uh, he rushed one sixteen eighty four one nineteen. Then for October, he rushed fifty seven two hundred and twelve against the uh, Texans. Seventy five one hundred and twelve uh, November first. Sixty eight. Uh, 103, 133, 178 yeah, this past week. It's nuts when you can go into the second half of the season and just have you know. Normally, this is when players are starting to you know bumps and bruises mm-hmm. and, and you know you can start to see them slow down a little bit yeah. as far as production yeah but you've got this guy who in the second half of the season literally increases production mm-hmm. that's nuts yeah no this was an absolutely a huge game for Tennessee because uh like I think I said last week you know this was first place in the for first place in the AFC South and, the, and this was a Colts defense that was very good very highly touted the Derrick Henry just went yeah I don't care I'm gonna run all over you average 6.6 yards per carry and I looked it up he had all three touchdowns before halftime it is wild to see the day and night difference between these two teams from their first matchup Mm -hmm. because indianapolis has been the surprise i think of the afc south at at the at the bare minimum yeah 
Their defense is highly ranked. Phillip Rivers is playing very good, very well for his age and, and for obviously being with a new team and such. <laughs> I mean, for only spots. Yeah. <laughs> Coming yeah. out for QB sneaks and now pretty much for any long throw over 20 yards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but to flip the coin, Ryan Tannehill is having a renaissance. And shout out to Mike Vrabel for coming up with the game plan of we're going to just spare Henry until everybody in the season in the league. Well, no, is they beat still up. used them though. But, but they still use them. But yeah. you know, but now they're increasing his. Yeah, load. Like, yeah. That's what I mean with the, with the production. Yeah. I think that Vrabel has done this excellent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because now teams are beat up because they played a full season. Yep. I mean, with a couple exceptions, obviously, with what's going on with COVID. But teams are still in that wear and tear where they're just making it to the end of the season in one piece. Henry is now getting stronger. They build them different down in Alabama. They definitely do, and Henry is fruits of those labors. Like Usually those Alabama quarterbacks fail and bomb out, but he is obviously still running strong. And if he's doing all right, Tennessee is going to do all right. That's Mm -hmm. the one thing that you have to take away from them, that once you get them in the playoffs, they're going to be absolutely frightening because I still think they're going to do it. And obviously in that south – it's a wide-open game to capture for them. Between them and Indianapolis, which this was a big statement win that I think they really wanted to send, because where Indianapolis has been playing well, they really have been playing teams close. Mm-hmm. Like you haven't seen, you've seen a couple of blowouts here and there, and obviously they've been on the losing side as well. But yeah. for your division, which is was supposed to be Houston's for the taking. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I mean, not, prior, not when they after they made the – yeah. Hopkins trade. Yeah, then we all were like, yeah, Ew. the writing's on the wall yeah. there. You now have a new king of the South, and that's going to be the Titans. Yeah. I mean, I definitely I don't see how they don't, you know, continue to dominate this um, uh, this field up until, you know, come playoff time. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't want to go into a game, you know, come December against Derrick Henry no. in the cold weather because Christ. he's literally going to seek contact and it you know I when I was younger I when I was playing pee like not pee but you football uh one of my coaches and the biggest thing that you know he told me was it doesn't hurt it hurts them more to tackle you than it does for you to run them over mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. like as a running back like as a kid that was always like that always spoke to me cuz I was like oh shit they don't want to hit me you know so like what do you think, like a guy like Derrick Henry wants to do? You know, he wants to seek that contact, and come December when things are cold and things hurt more. Yeah, I don't want to fuck with that. No, he's definitely going to make a big statement in every game he's going to play, and especially they're just going to keep handing the ball off to him, which is great for Tennessee because Tannehill, at this stage, you don't want to have him try getting into shootouts with anybody. No, you just you, it's not going to happen. Could he win something against Phillip Rivers? I mean, obviously, yeah. Well, when, they, if AJ Brown keeps playing the way that he's playing, <laughs> well, that's another emergence right Dude, there too. Fuck. That, yeah, that was killing me. Yeah, to see how he was was showing up there with ninety eight and one. When you're getting production like this from your offense on both sides, and we, I know we always talk Derrick Henry because he has been the Tennessee offense the past couple of years. Now you're starting to see more players emerge to give him some relief. Mm-hmm. Huge move. Oh yeah, huge. So if they can continue this going forward, they'll be all right. For Indianapolis, it's a bad loss, but it's not a back breaking loss. No, they can bounce back. They still are in the wild card competition. Obviously, 7-4 is nothing to sneeze at. They're a game out of the first place in the AFC South. So it's going to be a real fun race to watch down to the wire. Mm-hmm. We'll just have to kind of wait and wait to see what happens. Yeah. Coach, how about your picks? Well, I liked, as my lock, the New York football giants. But let's go with my leap first because okay. that will be you know a shorter segment. So my leap, I was actually going to go with the Chargers 
Over the Bills, Pat, go ahead. Yeah, so the Bills ended up winning by the final score of 27-17. to 17. Uh, Josh Allen, 18 of 24 for 157 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Justin Herbert, 31 of 52 for 316 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. You dare doubted the greatness of Josh Allen. Well, dare no, the greatness I mean, of Cole Beasley. Again, yeah. I kind of, uh, you know, I, I, I've been messing up with the locks and leaps here, and I keep thinking point spread because that's what we're doing in our Yahoo thing. So yeah. I, I keep, uh, no, I, I mean, the Chargers have played the last uh, four or five games by less than three points, mm-hmm. and the spread was five and a half. So I was yeah. like, they'll definitely cover this because the point spread is, you know, within what they've been playing games usually. I wasn't actively watching the game where I was watching uh, the Patriots game, but the Bills game was on one of the TVs, and that's one of the stats that the broadcast brought up. They brought up, like, four different teams that have active streaks where, or like, for, like, games in a row where the the points have been decided by, I want to say it was, like, five or less five or less or something bizarre yeah. like that and both the chargers and bills were in that uh little list no i mean the biggest thing to me is anthony lynn yo like what the fuck like what are you thinking yeah. where like i mean from the i mean the mismanagement of clock to the to ignoring analytics and everything i mean even the announcers were like you know, there was one point in the fourth quarter, you know, they were down uh, at like the 40 or the third. It was, yeah, it was early in the fourth quarter, and they were at the Bills like 47. Mm-hmm. And it was fourth and three, and they bring out the pun unit, and the announcers are. And I'm even, you know, we were, Aaron and I were watching the game because she had picked the Bills and I had picked yeah. the Chargers, yeah. so we were keeping an eye on it. And I'm like, you have to go for it. And then the announcers chime in, like, no, analytically, you have to go for this. Like, you don't know if you're going to get the ball back with any time left. You're down yeah. two, you know, uh, two scores. You have to go for it. They punt. Then they get down on the goal line uh, later in the game, and it was like, you have to take the points. Like, you have to, you know, mm-hmm. bring you yeah. got Yeah, you got to bring it to within a two-possession game. Mm-hmm. You got to, you know, you got to go down a, a 10 or 11. You got to kick the field goal. And they go for it, and they get stuffed. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? Then you come back. And you get this Hail Mary play, you know, obviously no timeouts. So they uh, penalty after penalty after penalty forced the fourth and 28. They throw the Hail Mary. And now I'm like, all right, they're going to cover. Like, that's all I'm looking for right now. Like, get a touchdown and cover. And then they go down. They run the ball. Yeah. With yeah. 58 seconds left to go on the clock after you. First off, you don't spike it. You don't try to throw uh, a fade or anything. You, yeah. You literally run the ball. Up the middle, yeah. That gets stopped. Clock's still running. Then your second down play is a throw at wide, you know, whatever wide receiver's feet. I don't know what Herbert was thinking then. Then third down, you run a play at you run a play action. You get sacked, and then you bring out your field goal. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, wait, what? Like, what are you bringing the field goal out unit for? You're down two scores with six seconds left. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Then they they. The Bills, for whatever reason, bail them out by calling a timeout because they don't know whether the field goal units are going to come out or not. Then the offense comes back on, and they run a QB sneak with six seconds left from the three-yard line. Yeah. The three-yard line. Guys, the three-yard line. You try to QB sneak. Like, QB sneaks don't gain yards. They They gain a yard, a yard, un yard. You try to run a QB sneak on the three-yard line? Bro. Yeah, no, but kudos to Buffalo on getting the win, although you barely got by because, uh, you know, like I said, I wasn't actively watching the game, but I could, was watching it out of the corner of my eye. There hit one point in the game where nobody wanted the goddamn ball. 
Like the the Bills gave the Chargers all the opportunities to come back in this game and and either tie it or take the lead, and just nobody could hang on to the goddamn football. Because I'm looking at the play by play here, uh, the Chargers scored a touchdown to make it 24-14 in, in the second half. Bills then punted, went four and out, punted. Chargers got the ball, turnover on downs. So they turned the ball over to the Bills. Bills fumbled it two plays later. Chargers went and scored a field goal to make it 24-17. Then the Chargers went three and out and punted. Bills got the ball back four plays and then threw an interception. Uh, Chargers came, went and ran three plays, threw an interception. So I'm sitting there like out of the corner of my eye going, holy shit, does anybody want this football or are we just playing hacky sack here? Two takeaways from this. One, the Chargers are the most puzzling team in all of football. Mm-hmm. Dude. Like I say, they are, if uh, we're using wrestling terms, charismatic enigmas. Yeah. Because, honestly, every time this team takes the field, and this is not just this season, I don't know what it is ever since LaDainian Thomason left, you do not know what team is going to show up. Facts. You legitimately don't. The games that they should win, they lose. Mm-hmm. The ones they should lose, they somehow scrap a win. Or hang in there. Or just are in there until the yeah. final end. I mean, they're not that bad of a team that they should be having the well, record of 3-8. Like, and eight. Defensively, Bosa, you know, they got Jerry Tillery. They got good linebackers, a very good secondary, you know, mm-hmm. probably arguably one of the better secondaries in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, so they're already solid team then offensively you know you got Keenan Allen a pretty good offensive line uh good running backs and then you know uh, a rookie quarterback who is playing like a seasoned vet for the most part statistically better than he should be yeah I mean so it's like all right the three and eight record you know does speak to the fact that they have had some tougher games in their schedule Mm -hmm. but you know some of those eight you know which are the losses you know, we're, you know, a Denver loss by one point that yeah. they should have closed that game out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, arguably, you know, had they have, you know, revisionist history, had they had gone down and done what the analytics would have said and gone for it on that fourth and three, maybe converted, gone down and scored on that drive, brought or even kicked the field goal at some point, mm-hmm. you know, brought it within, you know, 10 points earlier on than four minutes left to go in the fourth. Yeah. yeah. You know, that this this Buffalo game could have gone differently too. It's just it's been mismanagement the entire way through. Oh, absolutely. I fully agree with you. And that is something that I'm very shocked at with Anthony Lynn. Mm-hmm. I figured he would have been handling this a little better, but his game time decisions yeah. frightening. Absolutely frightening in this one. The Bills should have lost this game. Mm-hmm. I'll be the first one to tell you they should have. Because yet again, second half adjustments were not there. They looked sloppy coming out that third quarter. That they were making bad decisions. They were letting the Chargers still hang in that game. Obviously, I understand that they were up at one point, what, uh, six to twenty-four. Uh, yes, and at halftime it was seventeen to six. Yeah, Buffalo. Yep. So when they get up that big lead, they just took the foot off the gas, and this is something that's haunted this team the entire so year. So should I stop you? I feel like I've heard that before. Yeah, really. I, I know, but, been... it, but this is something like, I don't know, Scott, this is insanity watching because every time we get in that third quarter, it's the same thing. Leslie Frazier doesn't switch up the defensive schemes. People are running the ball down the field. They're doing screen yeah, yeah. passes, and nobody changes. And and this is true. You know, I realize I'm a Patriots fan, but like I've seen more Buffalo games this year than I have in my entire life. And this is this is true. They just you know the one I can always point to is against the Rams. Yeah, they had that big twenty whatever point lead that they went and they're just like, all right, we're good. Time to start thinking about dinner plans. Yeah, it's just it's mind boggling to see that. And for the Bills, 
who are still yet one game up on the Dolphins, mm-hmm. which, I mean, you can thank the Dolphins' defense. Don't even thank Tua for that one. I'm just, that's another rant for another time. But for the Bills being in that first place, you haven't locked up anything yet. No. You need to play solid four quarters of football. Sure. You play three. And the fourth one is usually we're hoping Josh Allen pulls a miracle off, which – you don't want to have to rely on that every no, week. No, yeah. you don't. I, 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 I am very thankful that he can do this, but I don't want to sit there every week and wait for a late-minute comeback because this is not how good teams prosper in the playoffs. You can't hang on the skin of your teeth there mm-hmm. and expect to get by every fourth quarter. You need to be consistent, especially when you have a big lead. Yeah. If you don't have that, if you don't have the lead, then what are you going to do? You're going to be aggressive for the ball. Why is it that when we get up, it's like we're going to this weird prevent-like defense, and teams are just literally running all over the place? It just comes from it. It just comes from coaching experience and being there. You know, I mean, the Giants had those growing pains early on in Coughlin's time too, with you know um, Spagnola and Perry Fuel. You know, where they would just sit back, and I mean, we'll talk about it in the Giants game because the mm-hmm. same thing happened. You know, teams just that don't know how to close out and finish. They, they think that, you know, dink and dime, you know, bend don't break mantra of letting them march down the field. Well, you let them march down the field too much, and then all of a sudden your offense, you know, lets their foot off the gas. Because it's really not I – mean, yeah. in a game like this, when you're up 17-6, to six, the game finished 24 to whatever. 27-17. So you only scored – Thir- what ten more points 10 more after points. that? Yeah. So that's the problem. You know, I mean, you go up big, you get these great offensive drives in the first half. All of a sudden, you know, you your defense sits back on their heels a little bit because you know they're thinking, all right, we got to keep the ball in front of us. We can give up field goals, just not touchdowns. But then all of a sudden, your offense doesn't start scoring, and teams start to fight their way back into it. And yeah. that's the same. That's the same thing in the Giants game. Yeah, and Buffalo really has got to get their third quarter act together because the next couple of weeks they don't have room to take the no, third quarter don't. off. They because really if they take the third quarter off these next couple of weeks, they're going to get run out of the building. Because this coming week they're traveling to San Francisco to play the 49ers or near wherever the 49ers are playing. They're going to be in Arizona. Arizona. So yes. they're going to be playing the 49ers the week after they play Pittsburgh Monday, Sunday night on Sunday night football. Uh, week 15 they play Denver, and then the final two weeks of the season they play the Patriots and the Dolphins. It is something that they definitely need to work on. I mean, they're going to have a tough stretch. There's no question about it. Could they go limping into the playoffs? Absolutely. I'm going to be very realist about it. The games that I feel very safe with are Frisco and Denver. I wouldn't feel safe about Frisco. Frisco, that's up in the air. I wouldn't feel safe about that, But what they just did in the Rams. I understand what they did, but Frisco is so streaky. Exactly. That, that I think that going to a new stadium and, and obviously being out of the element with what's going on there because they can't play I mean, in their that's stadium. that's fair. That it's going to be a different environment for them. So I think that they're going to have that whole, I don't want to say element of surprise, but it's going to be that whole new feel of like when they get on the field. And, I think the advantage is Buffalo's played in Arizona. Yeah. So, so they're logistically already kind of ready for the travel and everything, unlike the Niners who are going to be straight hotel rooms, you know, almost feel like it's an away game and it's going to feel weird. Yeah, so that's what I said. It's going to throw them off at first. So they could definitely sneak by with that game. Current line is Buffalo by three. Okay. That's fair. And you know what? I, I would say that's almost like a home game for Frisco. I mean, it is a home game for Right, Frisco. right. But yeah. just like to put in perspective, though, yeah. the line is not crazy because even though the Bills are 8-3 and, and Frisco is what Frisco is, it's not a lock they're going to win. I do right. think they're going to win this one, um, and then Pittsburgh is going to be the real test yeah. to see what they got because I guarantee you Pittsburgh's not going to take off four quarters. Nope. They'll definitely be in there for that third one. They so. might take off the first three. But. Well, they'll say that, <laughs> yeah. No, they'll, they'll take off after three and three quarters. Right, but it does scare me, though, when, when they get back on the field that they're going to be ready to rock and roll. So 
The Bills are going to have some competition before they lock up that AFC East, so anything is still possible. Mm-hmm. But now let us flip to the NFC East. Yes, where I took the Giants to beat the Bengals. Pad? Yeah, the Giants won by the final score of 19-17. to 17. Uh, Danny Dimes-Jones, 16-27 of 27 for 213 yards passing. No touchdowns, no interceptions. Brandon Allen, 17-29 of 29 for 136 yards passing. One touchdown, one interception. Your thoughts, Coach? Yeah, well, let me address the elephant in the room because with this victory, the Giants now are in first place of the NFC East. Sole first place. And earlier in the season, buddy of the podcast, Dre... Driven, 83. Shout out, Dre. Uh-oh. Uh, had put out a tweet He's boasting back. about He's his Dallas Cowboys Coach being. Coach got the phone. Uh, yeah, and I'm, you know, so I'm going to direct quote this. You know, he had boasted about the Dallas Cowboys being um, first place in the NFC East. And I had said something to the effect of, you know, the, the giant, you know, the, being the NFC East first place team, you know, is basically just guaranteeing your way of uh, first round loss and a higher draft pick, which, you know, at the time, looked pretty bad because all the teams were, you know, two and six. Mm-hmm. You know, now, you know, obviously, my song has changed mm-hmm. because this Giants team has changed. They have evolved, so to speak. Okay. Um. So I, yeah, I said it. I said that winning, you know, when the Cowboys were first place, you know, enjoy that first round loss because that's what's going to happen. However, this Giants team, especially defensively, is scrappy as shit, and I know that. The, the score is a lot closer than what it looked, and the point oh, yeah. spread was five and a half. But the uh, they did uh, the Bengals did get an opening uh, kickoff return yeah. for a touchdown, which really kind of killed and, and flustered the Giants. And Danny Dimes got hurt, you know, midway through uh, the fourth quarter, uh, and Colt McCoy had to come into the game, which really sucked the air out of the Giants' offense because they were really starting to click. Um, I I can't I I Joe Judge. I know he's not going to be in the the conversation for coach of the year, but he 100% should be. I beg to differ. I think he is. I the problem is Tom I with Tomlinson going undefeated, I I at this far, I don't think that he will get any votes. If no no, he will get some. Yeah. If, I don't know. If the Giants win the division. If the Giants win the division, yeah. he's going to get sunk. Well, cuz I mean, here's this is this is the thing about this team. So, obviously going into the year, I knew offensively it was going to be bad. You know, I mean they just don't they don't have talent, you know, and then you talk about Saquon Barkley getting hurt. Right. Which I actually think kind of helped the team. Because that's this has always been the Giants problem. When they have star talent offensively, they just get into this and it's just a Giants cultural thing. They get into this love affair problem where they 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 use that person too much. Whether it was Odell Beckham, whether it was Jeremy Shockey, Tiki Barber, you know, the list, Rodney Hampton, the list just goes on and on and on of, of, you know, players that get featured in the offense too much and it becomes too obvious and teams know what's coming. And, and when they lose said talent, you know, Beckham, Shockey, all of a sudden, you know, you see guys like Kevin Boss who came in for Shockey who, you know, turn, helped turn the tight end position around for the Giants. Um, then you have guys like Wayne Gallman come in, who you know was third on the depth chart. Who they brought in, you know, uh, the Devontae Freeman from Atlanta, who was a free agent, um, because they didn't trust what they had at running back. And all of a sudden, now Wayne Gallman's your starting running back, and he's an absolute monster back there. He's running through people, not just running around them. He's running through people, um, you know. And then obviously at wide receiver, they brought in Golden Tate to try and be the OBJ replacement. That didn't work out well. 
Sterling Shepard stepped up. He's playing very well. Darius Slayton has played well. Evan Ingram finally caught balls that he should have caught against Philly two weeks ago. But listen, this Giants team, I would be, if I'm a a wild card team and I got to play them as a home game, I'm I'm a little worried, you know, because I mean, obviously they're gonna they're gonna probably uh, with the playoff bracket now, four would play seven. seven. No, four would four would play five still, because it would be two versus seven, three versus six, four versus five. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's weird. With yeah, the with the first. Here. Yeah, so the so the Giants would still have to play. So I mean, I don't know the playoff picture right now, Pat. If you're Looking queuing it up, yeah, uh, yeah. So if, if four's playing seven, they would be playing the Cardinals. No, four would be playing five. They'd be playing the Rams. Playing the Rams. So revenge. For what the Rams did to him earlier in the year when the Giants weren't the same team. Because, I mean, the, the, I'm telling you, this defensive line, and I, I owe an apology to not, not only uh, uh, Gettleman, um, but I owe an apology to Leonard Williams. Okay. Um, I, I, I crushed this man, you know, during the offseason when he was saying I should be paid like a top-line defensive end slash, you know, defensive tackle, just basically defensive lineman. And the Giants franchise tagged him, and I shat on him for that. I was like, that's a dumb, you know, why you're going to pay this guy $15 million? Dude has two sacks over his career. This guy's balling right yeah. now. He was in that, he lived in the Cincinnati backfield. And not to mention, um, the Giants' offensive line, guys, I don't know if you've seen, they're scary. They've suddenly gotten huh. good. I mean, yeah. Daniel Jones has actually got a pocket around him. I mean, yeah. Andrew Thomas, the the first round pick who everybody was killing earlier in the year, has come on and played very well. Uh, they finally Shane Lemieux got in the lineup and he's playing well. Willie Hernandez uh, came off the COVID list; he's playing well. Nick Gates, a converted right tackle, is playing center. Who I at the time, uh, Colombo Judge and the Giants offensive organ, you know, the Giants organization was like, he has the potential to be the best center in the NFL. And I kind of, I was like, what? He's a fucking right tackle. He can't play center, let alone be the best center in the NFL. Whoops, he's playing pretty goddamn well. Kevin Zelter, and then you know, uh, Flemmer Fleming, who had two killing penalties late in that game that actually killed the Giants when they were trying to run the clock out. Um, but guys. A lot of optimism over here. A lot of hope. And hope is very scary for me. Uh, two things. First of all, unless you're Coach Duffy and show of hands at home, who the fuck knew Colt McCoy was still in the NFL? Not this guy. Not oh, yeah. Guy. Well, because yeah. I, was, I was talking to a, co- a co-worker who is a Giants fan, and she goes, I'll be honest, I didn't know Colt McCoy was our backup. I told, And I replied, I'm like, I'll be honest, I didn't know Colt McCoy was still in the league. I thought he retired. I had no idea. So that was that comes as a shock. But to your point with Joe Judge, Coach, I, I looked it up. 2007, when the Pats went undefeated until the Super Bowl, Belichick did win the Coach of the Year that year. I was kind of curious. Yeah. So if Tomlinson does go, you know, very deep into the playoffs, undefeated, you know, I can f- totally foresee Tomlinson getting Coach of the Year. But Joe Judge absolutely should, and I would imagine, get some votes because what he's doing with this team is nothing short of miraculous. Because you look at what this team <laughs> is fucking telling me. That you who knows, you know more about Giants than damn near anybody outside of the Giants front office. You know, we're sitting here going, "Listen, we'll be lucky if we get two wins all year," and you're sitting here doubled your expectations. Well, I mean, from a let alone how Jones played in yeah. the first half, the first yeah. four games of the season. 
the writing was on the wall that he was not ready to be a franchise quarterback. Right, and then you you look at whatever week it was when uh, uh, you're running back. I'm blanking on the name. Saquon Barkley got hurt against the Bears. Saquon went down, and you're like, oh, well, there goes your offense because you look at the receiving core. They're good, but they're not exactly household names. No, they're terrible. Outside of <laughs> outside of Golden Tate, I don't think there's a household name on that those those receivers. So it's not exactly anybody that if you're a fantasy guy going, oh shit, I got to draft that guy in the fourth round or whatever the hell it is. So the fact that he's making what he's making out of what little arguably he has, he absolutely deserves some uh, votes for Coach of the Year. Here, here's a crazy stat, too. Are you guys ready for this little bombshell that I heard from a, uh, a guy on Twitter? Danny Dimes leads the NFL in passes over 20 yards, percentage completion. Ooh. I believe it. How nuts? I mean, what, how what, crazy how, is that? How many times does he throw those? I Well, yeah, I mean, listen, other... I the, all he was saying in the video, because it was a hype video for the Giants offensive line, was his completion percentage over t- uh, 20 yards is the highest in the NFL. Yeah. And he completed two of them uh, this week. So I was going to say, I don't think he throws that many of them. Not to take anything away from him. Right, just... but, I mean, listen, to still lead in that stat after having the year that he had last year, especially, I mean, he doesn't have DK Metcalf. Yeah, you know he yeah. doesn't have yeah. uh, DeAndre Hopkins. You know what I'm saying? Like, so to be able to throw the ball that accurately deep, you know, when his wide receivers are an average height of five ten, I mean that's pretty talented. Because normally the guys that are run those deep routes are six foot plus. Yeah, you know, they have a lot of upside to look at for the Giants. Obviously, this was a game that nobody really had circled in their calendar except no. Giants fans, and the fact they got the win is still a good win. Because they're a team that's surprisingly on the uprise, yeah. And especially for everything going on with the NFC East, there really isn't a lot to talk about there. Stock so, rising. You gotta look at. I it. really, I my buddy at work, he, uh, you know, is a, a a gambling fan, and when the Giants had that uh, week where they were uh, mess, they were two and five, I think, so they were in playoff contention. He had put in for the Giants to win. Uh, the NFC East, and I was like, I, I wanted, I missed it because it was the night that they played the Eagles on Thursday, so I couldn't jump on it. Mm. And I was fuck because I mean that would have been a great bet to go on because the I mean there's no they they have they control their destiny right now they have the hardest road, but they control their destiny, and that's what you want as a team. Yep. So you gotta keep an eye out for what the Giants are doing. If we're talking safe bets, let me talk about my lock because last week on the show. I could not believe this point spread was what it was. And that was Kansas City was only favored by three going against Tampa Bay. Now, granted the score did pan out and Kansas City did cover. Uh But this game was not as close as the score was. This is what we call garbage time points. But, Pad, why don't we break this game down, shall we? Yeah, so the Kansas City Chiefs defeated the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by the final score of 27-24. to Patrick Mahomes had 37-49 of for 462 yards passing, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Tom Brady, 27-41 of for 345 yards passing, three touchdowns, two interceptions, and I'm sure you've heard the stat, but I'll tell you it anyway. Tyreek Hill, holy shit, if you had him on fantasy, you had a good day. Uh, 13 catches for 269 yards passing, three touchdowns. Uh, He averaged 20 yards a catch. Oh, my God. What are these thumbs doing pointing at me? Oh, do I have him in fantasy? Oh, that's right. So you had a good day. Yeah, I did, man. I I mean, I still. I'll I'll be honest. After about the second or third touchdown, I went, I'm not playing him in fantasy this weekend. I looked. Oh, good. I'm not. Oh, dude, I was laughing. I was literally, I'm hysterically cooking. Uh, it so it was Finn's fifth birthday. 
and I'm cooking his Philly cheesesteak, so I'm watching the game on my phone. He's, I'd missed the first touchdown, so I saw, you know, I had, like, whatever, 12 points or whatever. And I'm like, oh, shit, Tyreek Hill scored. Nice. Yeah. And then I watched the second one. I'm like, oh, my God, he's yeah, got yeah. two. Yeah. It's the first quarter. Yeah. Uh, you know, then I go back to doing stuff, and then all of a sudden I hear touchdown Kansas City, and I look up, and he's doing the backflip. Oh, and, yeah. And I go, Oh my God! Everybody, my mom's over. The kids, you know, are getting ready to eat. Aaron's like, "What is going on?" I go, "Tyreek Hill just scored his third touchdown in the first quarter." Like I'm like, I have yeah. it locked. I yeah. go, "This dude's on his way for 50 points." Yeah. This is, and I didn't. I mean, I didn't know. You know, I yeah. didn't know how many he actually had. And then so he finishes with 44, and I'm like, "Oh my God!" Yeah. Let's Fucking go. I, I just feel bad for the cornerback or whoever was defending him because I think about but I think it was either the second or third touchdown. Jim Nance actually like said his name and goes, "Oh, Patrick Mahomes picking on you know whoever like whoever was I forget who it was, you know for the second or third time." I felt bad for the guy, dude. I, double coverage. I yeah. mean, double him. What are you worried about Hardman or Sammy Watkins for? You got to worry about Kelsey and you got to worry about Tyreek Hill. And if you're going to opt for one to take away, I'm going to try and take away the speedster and Tyreek Hill yeah. and hope that Kelsey just doesn't break a couple tackles you know, on his 5- to 10-yard route that he's probably going to run. Yeah. yeah, This just goes to show that, yet again, Bruce Arians might be in a little over his head. Mm-hmm. And I can't stress this enough. I just can't. Because this game should have been literally 27-10. to 10. Mm-hmm. And the only reason Tampa Bay got 14 points is – the Chiefs took off the fourth quarter. Well, and Tampa Bay finally figured out what the fuck to do with Gronk. Well, yeah. Because go figure, the week I drop him because he hasn't done anything fucking all year in fantasy, he goes off for six catches, 106 yards, which I'm pretty sure is his season high. It is a season high, and Tampa Bay is just an anemic mess. Like, I'm sorry, the fact that you now have Brady versus Arians and all the press clippings are coming out, everybody's throwing each other under the bus. Mm-hmm. The meme of Tom Brady at the end of that game, Yep. Incredible. Well, they uh, they snuck back door and covered, which grinded my gears because yeah. I picked Kansas City to win and Aaron had Tampa Bay. So mm. she was like, you know, even though I was celebrating the Tyreek Hill win because, you know, obviously fantasy, you know, pays cash money, dollar, dollar bills, y'all. So I'm like, I'm worried about fantasy. You know, she's sitting here religiously checking the board and, you know, oh, I'm in first place. And I'm like, Aaron, who cares? I'm winning fantasy right now. That's the priority. Yeah. yeah. Um. But, yeah, I mean, for uh, this game with that backdoor cover, I was like, all right, so at least Tampa Bay can can build a little bit of momentum off of this. But, like, I think they realize, you know, they know that they got schlacked. You know, and yeah, it was this, an embarrassing performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's nothing really nice to say about this performance. Patrick Mahomes obviously had an MVP-type game. And this is a Tampa Bay defense that played well yeah. the yeah. last couple weeks. Yeah. yeah, like I said, they played lights out. And honestly, the game should have been completely lopsided by that fourth quarter, but they took the the feet off the foot yeah. of the gas. That's the only reason Tampa Bay was even in this, because they allowed Brady to get some garbage time points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I mean, and I didn't even bring this up in the Giants game. Yeah, I mean, the Giants, that the whole second half uh, was prevent defense. You know, just, again, the, the mantra of keep everything in front of you, Ben, don't break. You know, it's just it's a good defensive strategy when your offense is putting up points. Yeah. But if your offense is not putting up points, as Kansas City did not do late in that second half of the third quarter and into the fourth, that becomes a problem because when your offense isn't scoring, your Ben don't break. 
you might slip up and there might be that one touchdown. And obviously, you know, that's what got Tampa Bay back in this game was that late touchdown. Yeah, but it wasn't enough to do the job. And now it's whose fault is it? That's the storyline coming out uh, of Tampa It's not Bay. Tom Brady's fault. Uh, sure. Not if you read the stories where supposedly he's the one calling the plays from the sidelines or picking the plays. Yeah, yeah. it's it's now the uh, weirdest divorce that you're seeing happen in the NFL because I guarantee you at the end of the season, unless they win the Super Bowl somehow, one of them is gone. Oh, for sure. I I mean, we were talking about it at dinner. I mean, my you know, my mom didn't – she was like, wait, didn't Tom Brady, like, he was a New England guy, right? Like, didn't he come from Boston? We were like, yeah, you know, he signed this year. And, you know, we were talking about how he wants to play till he's 45, and she's, like, watching the game. She's like, this guy wants to play till he's 45? That ain't happening. Yeah, no way. Happen. It can't. It just Listen, at some point, you know, you, you, you see yourself, and you're like, I'm becoming a shell of myself. I mean, Jerry Rice, for as long as he held on, even he knew at some point, yeah. like, Father Time has caught up to me. Deion Sanders, you know, once he got moved to safety with that, with that Ravens team, was even like, all right, it's time to go. You know, yeah. like Tom. Tom's got to realize that I don't have the arm strength. I, I can't. These wide receivers are all vertical routes, uh-huh. and you can't throw vertical routes. I was just about to say that. I, I think it's really showing how much he doesn't have a Cole Beasley, Julian Edelman type down there. Where as much as he might might have lambasted and complained behind the scenes that he didn't have a deep threat guy, that he didn't have somebody he could throw deep to. Guess what? Now you've got three of the best deep threat receivers in the NFL, and you ain't doing shit. You're sitting two games above 500 and just barely above the team you left in in terms of records. And and I think it's showing that you don't have that short route guy because let's face it, you don't have you don't have the arm strength that you did 10, 11, 12 years ago yeah. that you could throw deep anymore and just they're running deeper than you can throw it and you don't have a guy you can check down to because let's face it, they're running streaks. Well, yeah, and I mean I don't want to say that these guys can't run those routes. It's just that's not Bruce Arians' offense. It's mm-hmm. never been the underneath stuff. Oh, exactly. It's never been that. It's always been stretch the field. Get it vertical, you know, throw it deep. I mean, that's why it works so well with Jameis Winston because he's a howitzer of an arm mm-hmm. that he can throw it 50 yards down the field. And if it was an interception, you know, for you know his offense, that was okay because it's basically a punt. Mm-hmm. No, I fully agree, and that's something that Brady just can't come to realize. No. And he's not going to get anywhere. Like I say, this is going to be one and done this year. He's going to have his guaranteed money in Tampa Bay. Might bring him back, sure, next year, but Arians won't be the coach. No. I mean, not with the way that – I mean, not with how bad of a fallout it is. You, you just can't. Yeah, there's so much tension, you know, on the sidelines, and you can see it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, at least I, – I know they talked about, you know, Byron Lefkowitz being the offensive coordinator, but, I mean, he's in an impossible position because you have a head coach who is as stubborn as Arius is, and you've got one of, argu- you know, arguably the greatest quarterbacks of all time in front of you, mm-hmm. and you're, you know, having to, you know, basically pick between two – you know, uh, you're rocking shoulders. a hard place. Yeah, yeah. you're rocking yeah. a hard place. You know, I mean, for every time that, you know, Brady's like, oh, this play sucks. I don't want to run it. You know, you've got Bruce saying, no, 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 this is the play call. You know, I mean, and uh, listen, I don't think it's Leftwich calling the plays. No. You know, whether it no. is the rumors are true, whether it's Tom doing it or not, you know, pulling a little Aaron Rodgers and, and, and calling him, you know, on the sidelines and stuff. I don't know, but it's definitely a ticking time bomb. It it just goes to show that, you know, as good as this team looks on paper, but let's face it, this offense looks like something you do in Madden with the budget turned off. Yeah. That it don't matter. It doesn't matter, and it's going to be a very long season still with four games left for Tampa Bay to really do something here. And I got my tea ready. Oh, the tea is ready. Pat, I can't wait for that take when he has it. 
So my leap, though, switching gears, uh, has yet to be played. Mm -hmm. So what kind of kickoff or two-minute drill with that? So, Pad, you want to break that down? Yeah, so you took the Baltimore Ravens to defeat the Pittsburgh Steelers, where I don't remember what the line was at the time. At this point, it is Pittsburgh. As we record, it's Pittsburgh by 10. So the line has grown by a lot. Well, that's because Lamar Jackson's out. Yeah, Yeah, but the the reason for that being is that when you made the pick, uh, the – uh, Ravens were plus 22 people not being on the COVID list uh, because in nine straight days as of yesterday, I don't think they've had anybody, anybody come up today test positive. Uh, they had nine straight days of players testing positive and getting put on the COVID list to the point where the game was originally supposed to take place, as we all might remember, last week on Thanksgiving. It was supposed to be the evening game. It was like the one game I think everybody was looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Wednesday last week, uh, the game got uh, – no, it was Tuesday. Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever it was. Uh, yeah, no, Wednesday. Uh, the game got postponed and pushed to Sunday because somebody on the Ravens had tested positive. So then it was kind of a question when it was going to take place, and, and they decided I think it was going to be like a 105 or something. Then we get to Saturday, and the game got pushed back again to, I think it was Monday. Yep. Uh, and then the game got pushed to get back again to Tuesday, and then the game got pushed to Wednesday, and then one game was going to be at 8 o'clock on Wednesday, and then NBC went, uh-uh-uh, we're lighting the Rockefeller tree at 8 o'clock on, on Wednesday. We ain't pushing that back. So now the game is scheduled to kick off at 3.40 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday. Coach, your thoughts on this mess? Uh, Yeah, I mean, so I just can't. The turmoil that this puts the NFL in is is nuts. I mean, there was player. I mean, there was potential rumors coming out of Baltimore's camp that, you know, they weren't even being told when they were going to fly out to Pittsburgh. Uh, Talks of them uh, protesting the game. Uh, there was talks of how the NFL and the league would handle, you know, paychecks if the game wasn't paid, you know, for player checks, you know, would they be issued? Would they find them for not playing the game? So, I mean, it's really, it's nuts. I guess really my comment to this is, and I, I don't want to sound insensitive or anything, but, you know, with everything that is going on and you being a professional athlete, you know, and we talk about, you know, them need to, to treat their body, you know, as if it's their temple and everything like, come on let's have a little respect for your craft right now and, and make sure that you don't put yourself in a position, you know, where you are the potential of being exposed to this. I, I mean, I, I know it might not be the popular take, but like you, you have a job, you know, yeah. like your job is to be able to play. And if you are unable to play because you are, you know, being, and I don't want to say every player was being careless, but you know, if somebody in the organization is being careless, you know, or somebody that's in the room, you know, in the staff, the building, what have you, is being careless and they're not doing the things that they need to do to take precautions, then there should be reprimands. Mm-hmm. There should be fines. Absolutely. And I think what all that's also egregious is just how much the NFL isn't getting dragged for this. Because as somebody who had to sit here for three weeks, four weeks, and listen to how shitty baseball was and how awful they were, cancel the season, end it now, you can't do anything. The fact that the NFL isn't getting dragged the exact same way is kind of, I don't know the word for it, but it, it's a joke. Because uh, as Joe Sheehan, who is uh, put on Twitter, he's a contributor for Sports Illustrated, uh, he tweeted yesterday, quote, if the NFL got covered the way Major League Baseball does, this last week would have spurred a congressional investigation. And that's not wrong, because as bad as the Miami Marlins situation got, that was over the course of like two, three weeks or whatever. It was. Yeah. This was in the span of one and you had 22 guys all at once because the Marlins, if you remember, it was a spurt here. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Another spurt. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Another spurt. This was literally all in the case of one instance. So the fact that it's just, oh, yeah, it is what it is. It's the case of the world is just really pissing me off. I think the problem with the, the and the difference is, is that the fact that uh, the NFL has this ability to move the game. 
unlike oh, sure. you know baseball because it was like you know you it's series you know you're playing yeah. almost essentially oh, no, yeah. Monday through Sunday so you get something canceled now you're warping the entire season where the NFL can just say all right we're going to play Monday. Thing of it is, all right, though, we're going to play Tuesday. Thing of it is, though, is just with this one game, you've had at least four or five games also get moved. I think they've moved the Dallas, whatever, I think it was Baltimore or Pittsburgh game. They've moved that at least three times. Sure, sure. Because of all that. No, I get it. They should absolutely be bodied for this. This is the, uh, a, a bad look on, uh, you know, uh, overall for the, the NFL has handled yeah. things pretty well outside of, I mean, to me, the Denver thing and this have been yeah. two misses yeah. that the NFL has had. I, I, and I agree with you. There needs to be you know repercussions for this. Baltimore get needs to be punished for this. I don't know what it is. Fine, but a fine is not enough. You know, I know teams are getting fined, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars for not following the, the protocols that the league has set in place. But something needs to get done. Maybe a couple draft picks and a mass in the max amount fine they can do. But something needs to be done about this because it, it really says how poorly and how, you know, mismanaged this is because it's, for as much shit as baseball got. They eventually got it under wraps and went pretty smoothly for the year. And even with as bad as the Marlins situation got, they still finished all their games by the end of the year. You know, but the fact that you've now got the NFL coming out and they're going to shut down all league facilities for two days to stop the prevent of this disease just shows I don't think they fully got this under wraps. I think that they don't have this under wraps, in my opinion. I think you take a look back at what we've had this, the course of this season. Mm-hmm. And obviously this is uncharted territory for a league to deal with. Sure. But you are right, Pat. Baseball got completely blasted, and rightfully so, when this happened and, and broke out. So the NFL definitely has not had the same reaction. And I think it's a little rose-colored glasses have something to do with it. I mean, it's it's something because you take a look at like what happened with Tennessee, and mm-hmm. then you take a look at mm-hmm. what happened this past week with Denver. Yeah. And their entire quarterback core was quarantined, mm-hmm. so they couldn't play, and they had to have a – Oh, a uh, practice squad wide receiver be a quarterback who hadn't yeah. thrown a pass since 2018, right? And did the best he could under the situation, yeah. which we all knew that they were going to lose because, well, let's face it, you don't have a quarterback to quarterback your team, right? Mm-hmm. For Baltimore, the fact that this has happened and, and gotten as widespread as it did for that team, there does need to be serious repercussions. Mm-hmm. You can't give a slap on the wrist about no. this. I'm sorry, you can't especially going this late in the season. This would be something different, in my opinion, if this happened week one or week two. Sure. Because right then and there, you're getting a sense of, okay, what's the protocols? What do we need to do? But if you're not being that respectful to keep your organization safe, whether whoever was the person that first contracted it and now is spreading it, whatever the case is, you need to be better about this. There is no gray area. You need to set a better example. And now that this has happened, you've now completely impacted – two teams at least, mm-hmm. and a schedule that is now affecting the rest of the league. This is a domino effect yeah. that should have been nipped in the butt early. Why are we still talking about it? Why is this still happening? So for Goodell, in my opinion, you got to come down swift and you got to come down hard on him. Whether you take away game checks, whether you take away draft picks, you need to do something because the example is not being set. For whatever reason, this is still happening. Mm-hmm. 
there is no explanation getting done. And, and it's not a case of you have one or two bad apples. The fact that you have 22 in like nine days or whatever it was, you got a lot of people not following protocol. That, yeah. That's not an instance of one guy went around and he, he's the social butterfly and he likes to go around and chat with everybody and got everybody sick. No, that's a lot of, I don't know what did and I'm not going to sit here and throw accusations or because I, no, I, I, I haven't seen yeah. any rumors or whatever. Well, I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole. But this is an instance where if you have that many people in that short an amount of time, you had a lot of people not do what they were supposed to. Yeah, I mean, just this is the facts that are given, and this is the evidence brought forth. That if you have this many people infected, then somebody was not following protocol. Uh-huh. And those are the people you need to find, and those are the people you need to punish. Because now, if this happens later in the year, God forbid, uh-huh. what does that mean for your playoffs? I mean, cause just to give an example, because I brought it up, I had to look it up. But this game, like we said, got postponed. Uh, the Steelers' Week 13 game on Sunday against Washington is going to be played on Monday uh, at 5 o'clock. And the Ravens' Week 13 game against the Cowboys, uh, which had already been moved to once to December 7th, is now going to be played on Tuesday, December 8th at 8.05 p.m. So, like I said, there's been like four or five games changed with this whole thing. Yeah, and you can't run a schedule like that. Yeah, yeah. it's just putting everything into a flat. I mean, Vegas... You know, fantasy, fantasy owners. owners. Yeah. Christ, I know we all got the notification from Yahoo Fantasy about this, and I've read it three times, and I still got a headache. It's just so impactful in a negative sense on the league in general, whether it's your teams, your organizations, your outside factors that are impacted by games being played. There's so much that this is where the NFL really needs to step it up, and we're going to be very critical about this because if you don't, and this is just a slap on the wrist and everybody shrugs their shoulders – you need to be brought front and center and deal with the punishment of the fans and the media talking to you about this because this is egregious. This should not be happening in this state. And, and it's got to be more than what's been given out. I think, what was it, Oakland got another penalty for not following the protocols, and it was a couple hundred thousand dollars. And then the, I think it was the loss of a seventh-round draft pick. In this instance, it's got to be more than that. It's got to be at least you know a couple hundred thousand dollar fine and multiple draft picks. you got to come up with something. So that'll be the question we pose to you, the ODPH Society. What do you think should be the proper punishment for Baltimore in this situation? And what do you, what's your feelings on this whole entire situation? And what's your feelings on week 12 of the NFL? Let's have that conversation, shall we? Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPH. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Well, hello there. I'm Brian Wayne, host of the Cheers to Comics podcast, and I'm here to bring you the ultimate comic book podcast for readers and lovers and collectors of all levels. Whether you're trying to get caught up on last week's books or you're just looking to check out the latest interview with the latest creator, this is the podcast for you. So if you're looking for a comic book show that doesn't stray away from the topic and you're looking to get an insight from a true fan and lover of this industry then tune into the cheers to comics podcast three times a week as i brian wayne raise a glass to this wonderful wonderful industry that is comics cheers hey this is brian wolf from fair city fire you are listening to odph the greatest podcast in binghamton Woo! Her 
coming back for the second segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast and time to run the ropes and talk a little pro wrestling. Wrestling! So this week is a big card for both AEW mm-hmm. and NXT, but yeah, different nights, though. So we are going to kind of break down what is going on this coming Wednesday as we are recording, mm-hmm. which is the AEW Winter is Coming card. So they are playing a little bit off Game of Thrones. The promotional art is definitely yeah. influenced by it. Okay. So they are building up into a very big match, so I just definitely want to get the panel's opinions on this because otherwise I would say I don't really feel that this is necessarily a pay-per-view type card. Sure. But it's still a good card nevertheless, especially just for the main event in itself. Okay. Because they're going to kick off with Chris Jericho taking on Frankie Kazarian. So they're kind of doing a little bit of okay. build up with that. Okay. So, I mean, nothing super crazy with good that. Good matchup, though. It's a good matchup. Obviously, Chris Jericho has been the MVP of All Elite Wrestling, in my opinion, because he's been putting people over. And this one, obviously, Kazarian is Kazarian. You know, SEU is already established. You yep. don't really do yep. n- need to do that right much. Itself. But they are setting up that nice little feud with the whole new inner circle with mm-hmm. MJF and Wardlow now being involved. Sure. Mm-hmm. They got to do something for this. So any kind of thoughts about this from the panel? It's a good matchup. I mean, it's two yeah. guys It's two guys that are, you know, Jericho obviously very established, you know, having a very good year. Uh, and then SCU, you know, internet darlings, AEW darlings, you know, they're, it's one of those nice matchups that, you know, no matter what promotion you have, you always have those matchups that like, okay, you don't need to build up for this. You can just do it and it works. Yeah. Sure. So next up, though, is one that they've been really hyping up, and that is Darby Allen, your TNT champion. Okay. Right. Is teaming with Cody Rhodes. So imagine the pyro. Yeah. Is taking on Team Taz's. Powerhouse Hobbs. That's a mouthful. Yep. And Ricky Starks. So what they've been doing is Taz has been running this whole gimmick with his faction, saying that we're not on TV, we should be, we've only lost one match, and he's right about everything. Sure. Because rankings matter. Exactly. Or wins and losses matter. Exactly. So he's the one still spinning that, but yet his... Guys have never been on TV that much. They're sure. always on AEW Dark and, sure. and you know that whole back and forth that we talk about. So last week they did have this uh, interview segment where Cody actually came out without Pyro, which that was the big takeaway for me. I saw your tweet about that. Yeah, yeah, I almost lost my mind. He just came out in his regular suit. He had a coat on, and he was, and he was talking with Taz. And then he brought up how Taz's son is getting trained but not by Taz. Mm. So Taz wanted to put him in the Taz mission. Oh, he went there. Yeah, that was a big like thing they were trying right. to say. Oh, they that. went, uh, that's a real uh, Cobra Kai yeah. style right there, talking okay. about your son being trained by somebody else. Yeah, okay. like it, uh-huh. it was just kind of like a weird setup for it. But this one, they, they've been teasing this feud a little bit. I mean, Darby Allen having the TNT title after being Cody for it. And now they're going to set up the tag match. So like this is supposed to be like the co-main of the show. Sure, sure. So this one, I think, could go a lot of different ways. I wouldn't mind seeing Team Taz win just because, to prove their point, like we've been off TV or rankings matter, where are we? Yeah. Right, and we've been yeah. on TV. Yeah. So I wouldn't mind seeing that. And like I said, Will Hobbs has definitely had the character transformation. He's had some great moments when he's been featured on uh, Dynamite. Mm-hmm. So I think this will be kind of a good stepping out moment for him and definitely get some shine. And to his character, because, I mean, like I said, there's a lot of potential with him. It's just when he's kept off the main show. Yeah. And this is one thing that we always talk about with AEW. If you're not on Dynamite, you have to go search the Internet to find out yeah, about sure. you. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So yeah. that being said, I think this should be a, a good match, a little buildup. I'm not sure exactly where to expect with this, except I'm, I'm hoping Team Taz wins. You know, it's definitely an interesting matchup. Yeah. 
that's one thing they've been really just trying to establish is like Darby is the underdog champion sure, now. Sure. And obviously with Team Taz. Sure. It, it just kind of pairing with Cody and how he, you know Darby is now the new face of TNT or sure. whether they want to spin for that. It's got a lot of potential to it, so I, yeah. I, th- I think it, it shouldn't be a bad match. Um, no. It, it should be entertaining. I have a prediction. Okay. okay. Cody doesn't get pinned. I'll go with that, too. Yeah, more than likely. Uh, I, I will take you up on that. Britt Baker is also in action, too. Uh, definitely want to throw that in there. I'm not sure who she's facing, though, as, as I'm reading on the card. Sure. Uh, but then they go into this diamond or dynamite diamond battle royal. Okay. So M- where they're going to win a, win a ring? Yes, because yeah. this is the impressive MJF's diamond ring that he uh, is always wearing. So they're grabbing the proverbial grab, uh, brass ring. Yes, but this is diamond ring. Though. Oh. So this one is going to be a battle royal, which I mean, these are always fun. So yeah. they're not going to be. Obviously- so AEW does love their battle royals. They do, which is something I think they pull out very well. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not mad about this at all. The entrants announced are MJF, obviously, Wardlow, Hangman Adam Page, Sammy Guevara, John Silver and Alex Reynolds from The Dark Order, Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Queen from uh, Private Party, Matt Hardy, Matt Seidel, who was recently just signed to AEW. Sure. Okay. Scorpio Sky, Sean Spears, Kip Sabian, Miro, and your favorite, my favorite, everybody's favorite, Freshly Squeezed. Yes. Orange Cassidy. Thoughts on this battle royal? Uh, a lot of names, a lot of recognizable names. So it, it, that's what I like with battle royals, you know, because normally you see a battle royal and it's like, oh yeah, I forget you're even with the roster, and then it's like, I don't care, I'm going to go get food or go to the bathroom. But in this instance, it's a lot of names. I'm like, oh, this could, this could have some fun and interesting moments. Uh, the old get everybody on the card. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay with this. Like, I it's yeah, kind of, you know, everyone, you know, you want to do a battle royal every once in a while because, hey. We're different. We're AEW. We don't do things like the WWE does. We don't have just 100 battle royals a year just to get everybody on TV. We're different. You're you're supposed to save this for when they start giving out a giant trophy every year for it. Right. Well, I mean, they have a little itty-bitty ring that they're going to give around every year now, according to Tony Khan per Dave Meltzer. So, yeah, I mean, this will be great. Different. Totally different. But same. Yeah, I, I fear it's going to be. Obviously, this is going to be MJF's to lose. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some crazy, you know, sh- spot fests and some super kicks and some Orange over Cassidy's the top. Orange going to do his usual shtick. Yeah, and he's going to put his hands in his pockets, and everybody's going to love it. I'm going to eat that shit up, and I'm yeah. probably not even going to yeah. watch, but I'll yeah. check the highlights. Um, and, you know, I bet you it probably will come down to MJF. Probably. And Orange Cassidy. Probably. Would be my guess. That'd be the smart booking. Yep. It would be the smart booking, but I'm not doubting this, though. I think you might see Hangman Adam Page versus MJF. Okay. Because the only reason I say this is you have MJF, who obviously uh, very young to the business still. I believe he's only like 24, 25 years old. Right. He is going to be the cornerstone of AEW if they're smart and they want to build around young talent. Right. Mm-hmm. You also have Adam Page, who is arguably one of your biggest faces you just got out of the program with him and Kenny Omega. Yep. Why? What would be better than to put those two in a program together? Yeah. And then yeah. you have your modern-day Rock versus Triple H. Sure. In that sense that you have your young talent that you can finally build, see what you know, build some chemistry yeah, but with them. What the, Rock and, what the Rock and Triple H had was the Intercontinental title. Right. To go between them. There isn't that title. Yeah. So uh, just a plain old rivalry – 
doesn't really do it for me because it was that it was those matches that were like so intense because every you know Triple H would win the Intercontinental title and go on a two month run with it. But then, you know, two months later at the next pay per view, The Rock was getting it back. You know, and it just kept going back and forth. And that's what built that rivalry up because each, you know, time one was winning, the other was losing. I don't, you know, they don't have a title to do that with. Not just yet. But what I think is going to happen at some point is I think MJF winds up with the TNT title. Okay. Probably. And then I think now you have your battle. But I, I think this will lay the groundwork for that. I mean, I still, I they really, I mean, I know that um, the revival or FTR, you know, really wanted to travel, you know, mm-hmm. and, and hit the road and do that stuff. But yeah. they really, I mean, listen, first off, COVID. So mm-hmm. I mean, traveling is not happening. Yeah. Like, if you're smart and you got a family, which they do, you should stay home. But secondly, um, they really dropped the. They should have the Tully. Sean Spears, I guess, and Hangman Page should have formed some sort of four-man faction, and it should have been a playoff the Four Horsemen, and it would have been gold, and they dropped the ball on that. And I will say that to my dying day. No, I agree they, with you. They had an opportunity to catch lightning sure. in the bottle. Sure. Because, I mean, what better of a way to really get, hang, you know, especially coming off of this loss, getting kicked out of the the – whatever the elite, the elite you yeah. know and now being on his own then having him get sucked in by tully you know like having him pull him over here like hey i know you're down on your luck but come join us you know and then all of a sudden they're riding off in the sunset as like this new horseman group it would have made a lot of sense and i agree with you i think they should have and that's one thing that we've always been very critical and honest about here is their storyline setups yeah are all over the place the in-ring work i don't have an issue with but the build-ups and the post, I do. And I, I mean, I guess it, it didn't help that FTR wasn't staying. So, like, you really couldn't do anything with it. But had they of, or maybe if you would have done this, you could have. Well, you know, the, the weird thing was talked. last week they cut a promo saying that they're coming back for those titles. Jesus Christ. So that's why I said, like, everything. All right, next match. I'm done. Everything's up in the air with that. And like I said, the, the pre and the post is the only thing you got a question about. But this one, I think, has got some buildup because obviously with MJF now being a part of the inner circle. Will that lead to maybe also Sammy Guevara's in this? He's a member of the inner circle. Would it come down to one of those two take on each other? Sure. A lot of different ways you can go. But this is not why we came to talk about this match. I'm very actually excited about the main event. Okay. And the main event is for the AEW world title. Mm-hmm. John Moxley, your champion, mm-hmm. taking on the cleaner. Hashtag. Yes. Year of Omega. Year of Omega starts now. Kenny Omega. So this has been something I've been very excited about because now that since they finally set up the tournament for the number one contender, Omega is now back to being a singles wrestler. Sure. And this is where he is best suited. I'm sorry. The makeshift tag team with with Paige was good for a little bit, but for an organization that prides itself on being tag team specific and mm-hmm. you know the greatest tag team division ever, you shouldn't have a makeshift tag team as your champion. No. For, right. For an extended amount of time, and they did. Right, which is just why yeah okay but now we go into yeah but but same but now we go into the year of omega which the last time they fought each other they had that really wild uh unsanctioned lights out match the the build for the year of omega though has been so flat to me yeah like i mean it i feel like if you were going to have him come back and be the cleaner it should have just been this just absolute monster of omega you know just this the cleaner. I mean, when he was in New Japan, he was the cleaner. He was absolutely just murdering dudes. Mm-hmm. Not just having great matches. He was straight up just finishing people. 
that has not been the case here. No. I mean, I know he had the one squash with uh, with Sonny. Yeah, yeah, but that's it. That's it. That's all it's been. You know, I mean, I really wanted to see that clean. I wanted to see that heel mentality, that bad guy Omega, that pure cleaner Omega, and it's been just this tweener. See, I think that we're going to see that uh, change on this night. Okay. I, I, I think so. I think this match could have, to have the potential to be a barn burner because according to Sean Ross, sap of Fightful.com, uh, Tony Khan has said TNT is willing to stay with the Moxley Omega match past 10 o'clock Eastern if necessary. Well, oh, boy, I wonder what that means. So, I mean, they, they, they could be a potential barn burner just if they're willing to go along with it and go run over. Well, but, yeah, they're going. I mean, well, since they've already tipped off that they might go over with that. <laughs> yeah. My only question would be this. We all know John Moxley. Yep. Sure. He is not a Seth Rollins wrestler. No. He is not a Kenny Omega wrestler. No. Fair. Can he put on a five-star match for an hour? I mean, I, mean, I don't know can, if he can do it for an hour, but he can definitely. Do, I mean, the first him and Omega match, like, that's what's cool about these two is that their styles are so converse mm-hmm. that it does ultimately tell a good story because Omega is going to be the one that's going to be putting on the show, you know, so to speak when, you know, Ambrose is going to be the one or Moxley, I'm sorry, is going to be the one trying to slow shit down. So that's really the story that the two of them can tell is the conflicting of of, of styles, which can lead to a good match. It's just, yeah, is it going to go for an hour and be a five-star? Only in Dave Meltzer's eyes. I agree with you, and I think this one this one will go 45 minutes, I think. Oh, it's going to run over. Yeah. It'll, there's, it'll, the only, and I bet you the reason why they're fearing of the run over is just in case something happens in the Royal the the Rumble uh, or the Battle Royal uh, that, that carries long, yeah. and mm. you know they might need to stretch them out. Could be. It could be. Because they're not going an hour. <laughs> no, they're definitely not going an hour because I just I don't see Moxley doing that. No offense, but it's just how he he wrestles here. He's he always wrestles a different style in New Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always weird. I really like the New Japan Moxley yeah. too. Yeah, which I guess Tony Khan said he will not be a part of Wrestle Kingdom this no, year. No, he is, will not. Which is very depressing. Very stern about that. Yeah, which a uh, lot just really confused by that. But well, I mean, I think it's because they're trying to protect their wrestler from going over there and and being exposed to. You know, potential. Well, or I, all right, well, for that reason, I can see, yeah, because yeah. I, I wasn't even thinking that. So, yeah, that does make sense. It, it, just because I don't know how, like, their talent is working if anybody else is going to. So, right. I mean, just I know with, with Moxley, he's not. And probably he's not going because, obviously, Renee Young announced that she was pregnant. So yep. Well, just, Renee didn't announce it. John did. Yeah. Well, John not did. even not even uh, uh, Bailey fucking got first to find out. So. Yeah, because of an accidental text. Uh, yeah, so, so oh. that's funny. But anyway, yeah, uh, I'm I know this match should be great and it will be exciting and there will be moments of awe and there will be moments of of uh, oh my god, you know what did we just see? But I don't I don't know. I'm not I'm the, not the marks as, will be going nuts. Yeah, I'm not as excited because Moxley's run as title as the champion has been meh. Yeah. To me, because he really hasn't had anybody to face that outside of Jericho of Jericho was really anybody of like, oh, you know, like yeah. that's that's yeah. cool. You know, like the Ar- Archer or whoever Lance Archer. Lance Archer, that was poppycock. The MJF thing was a little rushed and early. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, we're coming full circle and we're back to Omega. And Omega's year has been meh. To me, because of the tag title run, yeah, because of the lack of build to the cleaner. So, well, and I think the other part of it too. Now that I think about it, is just the lack of major stars they have on that on that brand. Whoa, 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 whoa! Because hold on, you 
You bite your tongue. Well, because they have names. You know, they have names. Chris Jericho, huge name for them. But you look at the other name. Yeah, they're names, but they're not exactly names that for myself, the the casual AEW viewer, which is every once in a blue moon, that if I see a video, holy shit, Kenny Omega, you know, squashed so-and-so. Because arguably the only people that if Kenny Omega were to have a match with these folks and have a squash match, I would go, holy shit, it'd be either the Young Bucks or Cody. And let's face it, that's not going to happen because he's friends and he's in a group with those guys. Pat, I'd beg to differ. They have many household names that you can recognize. I mean, Miro is definitely a household name that you've never seen before. No, but I'm saying uh, they have household names, but not any names that are big enough for AEW or for the storytelling purposes that make me go, holy shit, he just squashed. Like, I expect him to beat Nero. I expect him to meet Jack Swagger or whatever the hell his name is. Matt Matt Hardy is a household name that you've never heard of before. Matt Hardy is like borderline retired. Uh, uh, Luke Harper. Um, uh, what's well, his? Brody Lee. Brody Lee is a household name that you've never seen before. I mean, these are all guys they've built up on their own. He said that with a straight face too. He did. Guys, Amazing. I mean, it's just the disrespect. I mean, listen, Meltzer would tell you himself that there's way more household and and individuals that you could recognize on an AEW roster uh, of, of an average fan than you could of a WWE talent. Okay, okay, guys. So let's not speak to this not having names. So that being said, though, mm-hmm. who are you taking in this match? Moxley. It's got to be Omega. I'm thinking Moxley gets the cheap win. Okay. And I think Omega snaps and those goes full cleaner. Oh. So, okay, that makes sense because they do – what? they got a pay-per-view coming up soon, right? February. So that that would make sense if we get a rematch. Yeah. That's but what Moxley would have – Two out of three matches. It's a weird That's thing with tough. their booking. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it's a it's weird tough. thing with their booking. And then I was thinking, well, because originally I was thinking Omega was going to win, then Moxley was going to New Japan, and then you know I complete the one thing about wrestling beyond TV is like sometimes I forget that they don't do travel anymore. Right? Yeah, they're just there. I know, and yeah. it took me a second to realize, like, oh yeah, he obviously can't travel out of the country. So oh, my apologies shit. for that. That's so tough. But it's it's tough to predict about that. Oh. Because it does, I mean, A, him saying that Moxley can't go over, you would assume, like, he can't do New Japan New Japan because he's your world champion. You wouldn't yeah. want your world champion being on somebody else's program regardless of situation, you know? Right, like, right. And, and, I, and I just completely blanked uh, on that. Like, it's, so, it's so weird, too. Oh, fuck. I'm going to stick with Omega because I feel like him winning it on TV will be that, like, Goldberg... Hogan moment where everybody's going to be like, turn it to TNT. Oh my God, it's Omega's beating Moxley, you know, and they'll like hype it up and everything, and they'll say, look what we aired on national TV. You know, they're going to pull the bish off. It, you it, know, like that's what I see them doing. It would be something to see, and definitely, like, I, I'm locked in for this on Wednesday. NXT wins one ratings, and AEW's already pushing the panic button. But not the same. Different, but the same. Exactly. So we'll definitely. Not have- WCW 2.0, just. WCW 2.1. Fair enough, Coach. We'll have to kind of wait to see Tuesday, or I'm sorry, TNT on Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Winter is coming by AEW. But like we said, that's not the biggest card of the week. I mean, obviously there's two pay-per-view type cards going on. One is unofficial, but now we're talking about the official one because it's time to talk NXT War Games. Games. Yeah, I'm not even going to do it because he just 
Nobody does it better than Regal. This I is know. True. And the, and the, Regal and is. And the build for it was so perfect. Uh huh. You know it's coming. Well, well, you, you look back at the at the incident that took place last week uh, after NXT went off the air, and they're still brawling. And uh, they didn't show him, but I think it was Cole was in the ring after Regal came out, and you could just hear Cole in the background. Yeah, going, he's like, "Say it, say, say it, it, Regal! I know you're gonna say it, say it!" It was so yeah. good. It's amazing. But now the time is finally here, going down December sixth. Yep, Sunday night. Break it down for us, Pat. Yep, so Sunday night, uh, December 6th uh, at 7 o'clock Eastern on the WWE Network. You have NXT War Games. And running through the list, this is the matches we have announced. Uh, you have Dexter Loomis taking on Cameron Grimes in a strap match. Now, sure. this should be fun. Oh, yeah. yeah. The the way they've been building this up, I'm sorry, Dexter Loomis had never been really somebody on my radar. Mm-hmm. But he's kind of winning me over. He's, yeah, he's yeah. got this weird yeah. charisma to him that... I, I thought the same thing, too, when he was doing the initial stuff with uh, Velveteen Dream, where mm-hmm. I was like, this is... And uh, when he was doing his early stuff with Roddy, mm-hmm. I was like, this is kind of weird. Yeah. But now that you know he's gotten away from that and stuff, yeah, he's kind of grown on me, too. And I the uh, other gentleman... Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes. I love his finisher. Yeah. yeah that double stomp is yeah. sick. Yeah, it's something he's been doing in the indies. and in the indies, he was throwing around like a super kick, so I love it that <laughs> yeah. he's now just doing it as his finish. Well, yeah. and, and the first time I saw him on TV, he came out, and I was like, oh, this is kind of weird. This feels like a spinoff of like maybe a Becky Lynch and her early steampunk stuff. You know, but then he came out and he had that one match where it was like, you know, came out, double stomp, one, two, three, it was over. And I'm like, wait, holy shit, what just happened? Yeah. You know, so this is one that like, the, both guys have grown on me, and I really can't wait for this match. Yeah, this is going to be a fun match. Uh, this could open. I believe it's going to be the opener. I'm actually going to take Cameron Grimes. Okay. Uh, sure. Who you, who's he got? Yeah. yeah, yeah, probably Cameron Grimes. Okay. So the panel takes Grimes in a sweep. So next yeah. up, though, Pad. You have for the NXT North American title, Johnny Gargano versus Damian Priest versus Leon Ruff. In the upset of the year, yeah, Leon Ruff is. Your say, I'm just gonna, I'm just going to say it right now. Uh, I, apologies to Leon Ruff. You are going to get your ass beaten. This yeah, one. you're going to take a lot. Of, you you're going to take a lot of spots. You are a means to an end for Damian Priest. You have gotten Damian Priest to where he wants things to be, and now you are going to take some bumps, my friend. Yeah, this is going to be Damian Priest's show to take. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I have fully see him retaking that title. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's been a nice story, though. Don't get oh, me wrong. Yeah, I, yeah. I love the story on What this, was it? But. Leon's first televised NXT matchup. He comes out and he beats Gargano to win the belt. Obviously, there were shenanigans involved. But, no, it's been it's been a fun build. It's been a fun build. But, yeah, yeah the, the ride is over. Yep. Uh, next up, in for the women's in the women's war game match, you have Team Shotzi Blackheart taking on Team LeRae. Uh, so, for Team LeRae, you have Candice LeRae, Tony Storm, Dakota Kai, and Raquel Gonzalez. And then for Team Blackheart, you have Shotzi Blackheart, Ember Moon, Rhea Ripley, and a fourth member yet to be named. Thoughts on this, Coach? Yeah, I mean, I haven't, I've not seen a ton of the women's stuff, so I would appreciate you filling me in. So I, the whole buildup with this one is, obviously, if you're familiar with Shotzi Blackheart's entrance, she has that driving uh, tank. Tank, yes. She comes out arguably the best entrance in pro wrestling right now. It's sure. hilarious every time she comes out. Uh, she was having a match, what, about a month or so ago at this uh, point? Yeah, give take. About a month or so ago at this point, she was having a match, and they cut the uh, video board behind her uh, to Candice LeRae in the parking lot where she proceeded to take an SUV, drive an SUV. I believe the person wearing the scream mask was in the backseat of all yeah, things. Yeah, her uh, sidekick there. I'm blanking on her name, yeah. but yes. Uh, proceeded to take an SUV and drive over Shotzi's tank. That's not very nice. No, so Shotzi was damn near inconsolable. I think she was having a match with Tony Storm. Yes. Yeah, Tony Storm. And so, like, the match basically ended, like, Tony was consoling her in the middle of the ring. They went to interview Shotzi after the match. 
and, and, and backstage and she just ran and couldn't go anywhere. So then it developed into the, well, Shotzi wants revenge on Candice LeRae for destroying her tank. Uh, and now they're going to have a War Games match. There you go. It's an easy build-up, and Indy, yeah. Har- Indy Hartwell Thank you. was the one that's teaming up with her. So, yeah, this one is going to be a fun match. It's going to be fucking stiff. Yeah. Holy I, shit. I'm all for this. Oh, my God. Between Tony Storm, Dakota Kai, and Candice, and then you've got Shotzi, Ember, and Rhea, none of them <laughs> work anything less than stiff. Yeah, this is going to be something absolutely wild. Ripley and Storm, I think, are going to have breakout performances. Uh huh. And for the mystery uh, partner, I'm going to say returning to NXT, Mercedes Martinez. Could be. That I think okay. that since she's gone from uh, Retribution, that this will be a way to bring her back. It'll Could be. be. It'll be a, a sleeper way to to kind of sneak her in. Because I'm really not sure, like, who else would be open. Yeah, no, I can't. I can't think of anybody that that is on that roster that's like a big enough name to get added to it that just wouldn't get lost in the shuffle. I mean, the only dark horse in this that it could be is Charlotte. Oh. Now we oh, have not yeah. seen Charlotte on That's TV true. in a long time because she was true. she took time off uh, what, for surgery. I yeah, believe or, so. Or, yeah. She, I forget the reason why she took off. I believe so. But that would be something if you really want to talk about moving. That'd the be like that'd be like Owens a couple of years ago when he showed up. Yeah. Holy fuck, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I mean something completely wild. So I mean, that's my two predictions for who's going to be in here. Uh, as for a winner. I'm not down uh, Team Shotzi pulling this off. No. Yeah, yeah I'm but, thinking the same thing. But I expect this one to be a match of the night candidate. Uh-huh. Uh, obviously, all the uh, women in this match are absolutely awesome, so I cannot wait to see what they it's do. It's just going to go on to show why NXT has the best women's division in wrestling. It, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, but now we get to the main event. Yep, that is the men's war game match where it is the Undisputed Era. Of course, Adam Cole, Bebe, Kyle O'Reilly, Roderick Strong, and Bobby Fish taking on, and I did not know this was their name, but apparently this is, uh, the Kings of NXT in Pat McAfee, Pete Dunne, and the NXT Tag Team Champions, Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch. I hate that name. I do, too. <laughs> I do, too. I'm sorry. You run the show for a month, and you knock out a couple of guys, and all of a sudden you're the Kings of NXT. How they've been setting this up, has been very good, I will say. Can sure. I just say Finn's return, what was it, last week or two weeks ago on NXT? Fucking gold. Oh, yeah, when he brought when, out- when the cat's away, the mice will play, but the cat is back, and look what I just dragged in, and I'm like, holy fuck, this is awesome. He brought back all of Undisputed Era. Yeah, this is going to be a fun match. Oh, yeah, it's going to be so good. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see how Mr. McAfee will do in this type of scenario because, let's face it, Adam Cole has been known to do some crazy shit. Uh-huh. And Adam Cole and McAfee are essentially the the two that have the history. So you know that there's going to be something crazy yep. between the two of them. And I would be very interested to see what exactly that is, who exactly takes what, and how exactly it goes down. The only thing I know is if you think the last match is going to be stiff... Seven out of the eight participants in this match can work real goddamn stiff. The only one I left out of that is because he's only had one professional wrestling match is Pat McAfee. Pete Dunne, real stiff. Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch, real fucking stiff. Uh, the entirety of Undisputed Era, known to work real stiff. So the only kind of question mark, because like I said, he's only had one professional wrestling match that we've seen is Adam, or excuse me, Pat McAfee. So this match is going to be real stiff. This match is going to be pure violence. I'm here for it all day. Yeah. I don't know what to expect out of this. I'm not doubting that somehow Kevin Owens gets involved Could and, be. and helps the Kings of NXT. Could be. I think the only thing we know for certain about this match is that the uh, Kings of NXT, I believe, did win the advantage. 
uh, for yeah. war games. Yeah, which, I mean, that's always a crucial thing. But looking at who's in this, I mean, obviously Undisputed <sighs> Era is no, no strangers to this. Nope. I'm happy to see Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan in the main event. Yeah. They are yeah. amazing. Pete Dunn, which, by the way. He looks slim. My God. vegan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. is that what it is? He, huh? he looks oh. like he's not missed the gym in a while. No. Yeah. Well, dude, I mean. Sleeps on like Dude sleeps doing leg day. Yeah. I'm not going to speak to the vegan thing because I might not agree with it, but I'm going to say, yeah, you know, it is, uh, it's done well for Pete. Obviously, he has been able to to dial it back in the gym. I mean, I didn't think he looked, you know, bad physique-wise no, prior no, no, to no, this but gen- no. transformation, but now he yeah, just looks now, scary. Yeah, now he does look scary and I mean, I I kind I mean, I I don't think he needed to be paired in this group. I think he could have been out elsewhere and mm-hmm. been just fine, but yeah. all right, putting him in here is whatever. Um but I just I, I want to know what McAfee's going to do cuz I I really there's going to be a spot set up where I, I mean, it might even just be him jumping off the cage. Could be, but there's going to be. He's going to have to do something because there's not going to, you, you know, like you're not going to be the celebrity mm-hmm. in this match, no, and not do something stupid because that's being one of the boys. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be an interesting point for him because I know the internet is not a fan of him wrestling. I'm not the but biggest guy. Fucking why? He did fine in yeah. the match. I, yeah. I just, I like. I'm just not that big of a fan of him. Okay, but that's but fair. but I do respect what he did in the ring. Sure, like I said, I'm just like, sure. You know, I I understand that's like his gimmick, the for the brand thing. Okay, sure. I mean, it's cool. I mean, it is. But is it like my favorite thing to see on wrestling? No. no. Yeah. All right. But, but I respect what he did in the ring. But I'm like, okay, unless you're going to do this like full time, like him, like yeah. him, Amel. You know, like when those two get in the ring, I respect that because I know that there's a general passion that they mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. for the business outside of like when other celebrities have yeah. come in and you yeah. can just tell like this is a promotional piece because I have X thing to promote, mm-hmm. you know, like and they do maybe yeah. something in the ring like that sucks. Oh, yeah. But yeah. you could tell with these, you know, in these two in particular, especially McAfee right now, there is a general like I do love the business. Oh, yeah. Had no. I not gone and kicked yeah. punts for a living. I might have gone into this. He absolutely does, because if it wasn't already abundantly clear from the amount of years he's done pre-show stuff, uh, he tweeted last yesterday uh, after it got announced the Steelers-Ravens game was getting moved from 8 o'clock to 3.40. He goes, oh, I see how it is. The NFL is scared of NXT and doesn't want to go head-to-head with NXT. Well, he's doing a great job promoting it. Oh, yeah. I yeah. would yeah. say that. So he's making the match that much worth watching. Oh, yeah, and I just to run it back to the women's war game match. I thought of a fourth uh, member for Team Shotzi, Io Shirai. I'd be okay with that She's as well. She's got no love lost for anyone on Team Candace. I'd be okay with that. That'd, I mean, be, that'd be good. It's the one great thing about War Games because it's such, in my opinion, uh, an underrated cage match because mm-hmm. they don't do it that often. Yeah. yeah. But once you get in there and really let them go. And I it's, mean, yeah, it's also, it, it, it has such a different flavor from the main roster mm-hmm. that it really is almost as if they're main card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I cannot wait to watch this come Sunday. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What cards are you excited to see in the land of pro wrestling this week? AEW's Winter is Coming, NXT Wall Games, or is there another one going on too? Because, I mean, obviously Ring of Honor's back with a pure title uh, championship going on too. I mean, obviously they crowned the champion, but Ring of Honor's really stepped it up lately too. MLW's back. So much pro wrestling going on. We definitely need to discuss it. So hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do not adjust your dial or, well, your phone, your watch, or whatever the heck you're using to listen to the awesome podcast you're currently listening to. I am the Duke of Nerds. Tyler Mack, and I am here to tell you that being a nerd can be a bit overwhelming. 
especially after 30. Life moves pretty fast in our nerd culture, and if you don't take the time to notice things, you miss out. That's why I'm here. As your Duke of Nerds, I am charged with educating and enlightening and entertaining you on all things nerdy. I do it by running the 30 and Nerdy podcast. 30 and Nerdy is a bad cast company production and currently playing wherever you cast your pod. Follow along each episode using the hashtag 30andnerdypod. And check out what all is going on at 30andnerdypodcast.com. Whether it's DC, Marvel, comics, or video games, I have got you covered. So tune in now. Cheers to you, nerds. Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Time to come back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Let's take it home with running those bases, Pat. Got to talk a little bit of baseball, although not any breaking news with signings or anything like that. No, it's a little something interesting from um, baseball and then HBO. So this, according to a press release from the folks over, sent to us over from the folks at Warren Media, uh, the headline reads, HBO Sports and Major League Baseball team for Under the Grapefruit Tree, the CC Sabathia story, debuting December 22nd. So the uh, press release provided to us from the folks over at Warren Media and HBO uh, reads, quote, under the Grapefruit Tree, the C.C. Sabathia story, a documentary from HBO Sports produced in association with Major League Baseball, debuts Tuesday, December 22nd at 9 p.m. Eastern on HBO and will be available to stream on HBO Max. The film features the deeply personal story of New York Yankees pitcher Karsten Charles, C.C. Sabathia Jr., using as its foundation behind-the-scenes footage from his final season with the New York Yankees in 2019. In his own words, Sabathia narrates his story, which began in Vallejo, California, where the pit future pitching great first honed his skills throwing grapefruits from a tree in his grandmother's yard. As the highs and lows of, the, of his last season are chronicled, Sabathia looks back on his legacy as one of the game's preeminent pitchers, as well as the profound challenges that shaped him, including his longtime battle with addiction that came to a head in 2015 while playing for the Yankees. I cannot wait for this because, like I said, see Sabathia, much beloved pitcher uh, in New York with the Yankees, had a great career over in Cleveland, uh, great year with Milwaukee Brewers, absolutely unreal playoff run when he was with the Brewers. You know, six-time All-Star, made six All-Star appearances, won the World Series in 2009 with the Yankees, won the uh, Cy Young Award in 2007, uh, 2009 ALCS MVP, uh, two-time Major League Baseball wins leader in 2009 and 2010, great pitcher, you know, great career, over 3,000 strikeouts, you know, 251 wins, 161 losses. I can't wait to see kind of what like a mini last dance kind of thing with Sabathia especially that last game against Tampa Bay where he blew what was it like a $50,000 bonus or something because he didn't reach the the he had a uh, thing in his contract a bonus in his contract if he had a certain number of innings pitched by the end of the year he'd get like $50,000 or something like that yeah and because of something that had taken place during the game one of the Yankees got hit so he went by a Tampa Bay Ray so in retaliation he went and hit a Tampa Bay Ray before he got that innings limit or that innings uh, clause hit. Uh, and I cannot wait to hear his take on that. That's going to be a fun show. Uh-huh. I, I, I cannot wait to check this out when it happens. Coach? Yeah, well, I just I want to touch basketball because okay. unfortunately I didn't get to talk the, the draft results and everything. And I just want to say, you know, and, and I don't need to go long because I know you guys did it in depth, you know, last week. But I like what the Knicks did. Okay. 
I like everything that they did. I love the moves. I love the trades. I love the value picks. Um, uh, the some of the signings haven't been great, but I mean they've positioned themselves very well for a run at twenty twenty one. Yeah, and and uh, you know, uh, Giannis potential, LeBron potential. I mean, I doubt he would relocate his family again, but it's out there, you know. So, I, I'm as a Knicks fan, I'm happy. They cleared out seventy million. Yeah, cap. it's nuts. Like it's crazy. So. I and, and they're still going to be competitive this year. That's the thing. Like I actually, although I think the East will be a little more competitive this year with the way that you know p- the players have moved. You know, normally you see a lot of players go from east to west. Mm-hmm. A lot of players moved east to east, so a lot of the balance of power, you know, kind of shifted within conference, which is different. Yeah. Um, but I still like the fact that they're going to be a competitive team. Um, you know, unfortunately, they're probably going to play themselves out of a lottery pick, but I'm not really concerned about that because they have draft capital. Because what I would honestly like them to do if they do whiff on free agency, honestly, I would like them to start and pull uh, Danny Ainge and the Celtics and use this draft capital for uh, players. You know, stop stop accumulating, you know, all these picks and start flipping them for, for talent because at, at some point, you know, you're going to – I fear, you know – uh, a 76ers type style rebuild, uh, which I mean, you know, while we did praise it at first, it's not working. No, and at no. some point, you know, I think you have to just say, we need to go out and get an established star with our young talent. And that's what you do with these first round picks. I fully agree. Like I, I'm liking everything Leon Ruse and company have been doing. So I'm all for it. And I can't wait to see Brooklyn implode. That's what I'm taking away from this. You've been waiting for you've been waiting on that for a year. So if that actually happens, you will be a very happy man. Oh, I'm gonna be ecstatic, ecstatic. College basketball kicked off too well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's tonight. Uh, Duke's actually playing Michigan at 7:30. Michigan State. Yeah, Michigan State. Yep. So that's gonna be a big matchup. Shout out uh, to the Richmond Spiders who beat Kentucky. And if I read the stat right, it was the f- the first time they've beaten a top 10 ranked opponent since the ranking system got introduced in like the 40s. It's wild to see, but I'm I'm very happy to see college basketball back. We know coaches. Oh, we. Know yeah, coaches. I definitely. I mean, I'm excited. I, I really hope that the universities can. Uh, keep the players safe among travel. Um, obviously, they're not taking the same per, you know route that the um, that the uh, college football did mm-hmm. with keeping everything within division and you know uh, nearby you know um, nearby games. You know, with uh, uh, having a little more travel, with obviously playing at neutral sites and everything. So, uh, you know, I'm definitely hoping that all the players can stay safe. And um, you know a healthy season, and yeah. hopefully get to March. You know that's the, the fingers crossed. That's where we want to go. Speaking of college football, though, I got the rankings up. So our top four in the AP top twenty-five, Alabama is still number one. Those Notre Dame bullshit, bullshit. Okay, Notre Dame is at number two. Hey, Ohio State is at number three according to the AP poll four okay. on the coaches poll, and they flip it with Clemson. So Clemson is number four in the AP. They are three on the coaches' poll. Okay. Uh, Texas A&M is five at the AP, six on the coaches, and those Florida Gators, number six on the AP, and five on the coaches' poll. So definitely something to keep watching. Notre Dame just locked uh, due to um, game scheduling and reshuffling in the ACC. Notre Dame has officially locked a uh, berth in the ACC championship game. Cool. So to me, that's essentially locking them into the playoffs. I think so too. Because, yeah. I mean, there's no way – 
that this team, because they're not going to lose to Syracuse. There's no way they're going to lose to Wake Forest. There's no way that this team doesn't march uh, to Charlotte, whether it's Clemson or North Carolina, depending on where you know things finish. Um, obviously, more than likely going to be Clemson. Uh, there's no way that that game, even if Notre Dame loses, as long as it loses within, I don't know, two touchdowns. You know, yeah. it, it, I, obviously, I I think Notre Dame can win the game. I'm just saying if. Uh, there's no way that Notre Dame doesn't get a playoff berth. Uh, real quick, the college football playoff top four uh, just got posted like 45 seconds ago. Uh, Alabama is still number one, Notre Dame number two, Clemson number three, Ohio State number four. Okay. All right, interesting. Yeah. So definitely something to keep an eye on for as we progress towards I, I actually, season. I would say it's bullshit that Alabama's won. Um, they just they haven't played anybody. Listen, my dream for an Ohio State Notre Dame national title game is still alive. Yep, that is oh. true as long as they stay there. I No, I'm, seriously. Alabama has not played anybody, and the SEC is weak as dog shit this year. Evidence, see the Iron Bowl last weekend. Right, and I mean, Notre Dame just came out and beat a Clemson team, whether with with or without uh, Trevor Lawrence. They should be the number one team in the nation, but that's just my pure, completely down-the-middle, straight-reporting, unbiased opinion. That's why we. That's why we listen to Coach and yep. Coach Duffy Eleven on Twitter to definitely continue straight that straight down the middle, straight down the middle, calling it exactly the way I see it. So my base this week, though, I'll be very, very brief because honestly, there's not a lot to talk about. UFC had a fight night, Curtis Blades versus Derek Lewis, but unfortunately, it had to be canceled because Blades, I believe, was uh, contracted COVID, so yep. they yep. are postponing the fight for a later date. Yep. Your main event was Anthony Smith taking on Devin Clark. We did cover this on twitch.tv slash 67 podcast, so the results are still up there for the live reactions. And Anthony Smith won via first-round submission, Yeah. so that was kind of the highlight from that card. There was another announcement that Leon Edwards and uh, Chimeyev have been has been postponed as well because uh, Edwards has contracted COVID. They're going to try rescheduling that, I believe, for 2021. So this coming week, uh, there is another fight night happening. Jack Hermanson taking on Marvin Verretti. Uh, I like Hermanson in this one. I think this should be a pretty quick fight. Uh, the rest of the card is kind of lackluster, in my opinion. Mm. And then we go right to UFC 256 on December 12th, which should be a fun one. The only other combat sport, if you really want to call it combat sport, noteworthy, uh, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. had an exhibition that was exactly what it was for those gentlemen being in the age group. Yep. Uh, nothing really to write home about. I give him credit, though. I, uh, with the whole rule that, oh, the, as soon as somebody bleeds, it's over. I figured that happened real soon. Didn't happen. It didn't happen. In my opinion, I saw some highlights from a Tyson 1 uh, handedly, so that's yeah. all you really need to say about it. Yep. The only other takeaway is poor Nate Robinson. Let's say for, for our takes on that, go back to the uh, UFC live stream on twitch.tv slash 67 podcast. That was... I mean, Whoa. shit. The memes coming out of that, though, were gold. Oh, yeah, but poor Nate. I mean, yeah. just the, I mean, all the shit that you talked before to get just on your face. like yeah. the, fun, just the, funniest, the funniest part of that whole thing was Paul Pierce's uh, Instagram, where he's, he's like videotaping the TV screen. He's like, come on, come on, Nate. Let's go, Nate. And then just, damn, on the yeah. screen as he's knocked out. Like, I mean, for the culture, you know, and then just to get beaten up like that. I mean, yeah. I listen, Jake Paul after that called out Connor. I would love to watch Connor just decimate him. You're not the only one. There decimate a, him. There, there was That'd a, be one of the rare times I root for Connor McGregor. Yeah. There was a lot of people that were volunteering to fight that. I know <laughs> uh, Connor has not entertained the idea, no, nor, should nor, he. He, nor should he. No. I just so have my pipe dreams. This is just train wreck boxing. I don't, uh, I mean, listen, a lot of actual people um, in the boxing media realm was like 
and a little bit outside of it was like, you know, is Jake Paul like have like an ability to get on a card, you know, and, and potential of like being like a face of boxing. No. And I was like, damn, that's how low boxing's become to even to even dangle his name with legitimacy. Yeah, that's that's click, that's not that's clickbait one on one. There's no. Chance. Yeah, I mean, I didn't yeah. read the story. I just saw the headline. But I was just like I was really shocked because, I mean, listen, we're, we're talking about the fact that you had two of arguably pound for pound, the greatest fighters of all time that, you know, they're obviously going to do a rematch. And this is inevitably going to lead to Evander Holyfield Tyson um, in some capacity. Um, and you're talking about, you know, these, these names. And then all of a sudden you have somebody saying like, can Jake Paul be, you know, a face of boxing? And you're like, damn, that's sad that boxing's reached this low. Well, this was a whole circus sideshow, this whole card. So sure. like, you can't even really say this is real boxing. In my opinion, I know Roy Jones Jr. Is a boxer. I know Tyson is a legendary boxer, but everything about this was just a—it's a sideshow carny, in my opinion. Sure, yep. that everybody was trying to overhype this up for what it was. And I'm sorry if you were really buying in this, thinking you were getting a real boxing match. You're sadly mistaken. Yeah, and you should just say thank you for the donating your money because this was absolutely egregious to watch. The only thing noteworthy was Snoop Dogg on commentary. Oh my yeah, God. I heard. Yeah, he yeah. heard he was real funny. Yeah, he was out of control. So that's the only takeaway from this. And then I, I fear that they're going to actually schedule a real boxing rematch against this. No, it is. It's gonna. I, I can. I can already see this. Roy Jones and him are going to have their rematch, mm-hmm. and then it's going to lead to him and Holyfield because Holyfield's already posted on social uh. media and said that he was training. That you know, and I honestly, the way that his body, you know, the way that he looks, just looks like the timing for this particular pay per view didn't line up with his training. So it's going to be another six months, and he's going to be in there against Tyson. Uh, I have no interest in seeing that. None. I'll commentate on it, but I ain't gonna <laughs> donate to see it. I'd rather donate to something else, and that's called Locks and Leaps. So, Pad, why don't you lead us off? I'm going to start with my lock. Saw this one and went, holy shit, give me this one. Uh, looking at the Sunday night football game, you have the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Denver Broncos. Currently, Kansas City is a 14-point favorite, and good God almighty, if they're able to do to Denver what they were able to do for Tampa Bay, you know they'll be able to cover that score and more. Doesn't matter who Denver's got at quarterback. Uh, Kansas City is going to shred them. Uh, and then looking at my leap, I'll be honest, I know we said a couple weeks ago the, the dogs uh, were – Crap, they're even worse this week. P.O. Good Lord. Uh, so my leap this week, I'm going to be looking at the Colts-Texans game. We're currently Indianapolis is, is a three-point favorite. Give me the Texans. All right. All right. Without Will Fuller, who's now true. suspended for the year. Yep. Uh, I am going for my lock, uh, going against the grain, uh, which I've done all year, which is not paid dividends. I'm taking the Raiders over the Jets, 1 o'clock East Coast tra- or West Coast traveling East Coast. Um I think the Raiders are going to bounce back after that future performance against the the Falcons, um, and I think that they're going to come out and win this game. And for my leap, I mean, Pad pulling one out of the hat there that I I mean, interesting pick. I'm going to go with low-hanging fruit, which is the Cardinals at home versus the Rams. The Rams are currently three-point favorites. To me, the Cardinals are the better of the two teams, and they should play that way. I am taking you on that leap as well. Okay. Okay. So my lock – I was going to mention this if we had more time in the two-minute drill, but I want to address Philly fans. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So the thoughts, views, and opinions upcoming are that of Ken M and do not necessarily reflect that of the ODPH. Uh, listener discretion is advised. Marvel versus DC. Uh, Star Wars versus Star Trek. Star Wars versus Star Trek. 
I'm trying to think of the two Fast tw- and Furious versus Hollywood. I'm trying to th- yeah, that's a great one too. I was thinking the two Twilight characters. Oh, uh, yeah. Who are a- there? A W W E. Yeah. Are we Team Wentz or Team Hurts? I'm Team Watch Philly burn. My God, every week I see posts on social media. Facts from Philly fans that are like, "Wentz is my ride or die quarterback." I'm with him 100%. And then we flip it the next week, and we're saying trade him, cut him, get him out of town. Right, run him out. Run him out. Can we just make a declaration and stand by it? I applaud Dallas fans because, you know what, I know with Dak going down, everybody rallied around Dalton. And then when the rookie played well, they still said, Dalton is our guy. Right. We're standing with the rookie did good, but Dalton's our guy. One bad game, Philly, and you guys are ready to jump ship with Carson. And one great game, and they're going to the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, one great game. Yo, we're locked in. We're locked in. We're taking the East and everything. Just pencil us in. Listen, I have sat through my fair share of bad quarterbacks throughout the years. There's been a few. There's been quite a few. But I've always stood by them for the season. Or if I've jumped ship from one, guess what? I stayed off it. I don't flip-flop back and forth. So, Philly fans, I'm just going to make this declaration to you. Pick a quarterback and stand by it and quit flipping because this is such a bad look for you. I will call you out each week on the show for this because your quarterback situation, you're stuck with Wentz for two more years. For sure. Uh The money is locked. Yeah. So either accept it or go to Hurts and then every week keep screaming you want Hurts. Because if you keep flipping flop back and forth and you're saying he's my ride or die quarterback, listen, that is such a bad take. Yep. And you're doing it repeatedly. And I've seen this in the entire season. And you just look like a fair weather. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to be a fair weather fan, that's you. But then don't go after any other fan base about it because you're not setting a great example. Facts. So for my lock, I'm sticking with JVD's quarterback, the potential MVP. State Farm double-check himself. The man. The man, the myth, the Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Favored by seven over Philly traveling to Lambeau. Oh, Christ. You thought they put a whooping on Chicago? They're going to beat the tar out of Philly. (laughs) What do you think is going to happen now since your locker room is divided about your quarterback and so is your fan base? So what I'm challenging Philly fan to do is please call out whatever quarterback you want this week. I was like, pro advice to Jim Schwartz, uh, after what you – did to yourself by pissing off DK Metcalf. Try doing the same thing with Rodgers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So what I'm saying is, pick your pick your quarterback, stand by him, and then still watch him get torched. Announce by announce your pick. Announce yeah. your quarterback pick. Announce put it, it. Put it. Have it be your avatar on your Facebook or Twitter. I love it. Yeah. Show. Be proud. Yes. I know Dallas fans listen. I dare Dallas fans to call out Philly about this and hey, put the pressure. on. Listen. As much as I shat on Daniel Jones, I said that he would be a franchise quarterback somewhere else, just not New York. I was wrong. And now I'm full on the Danny Dimes train because the man's played well. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was wrong, and I'm sorry, Daniel. But you know what? When you flipped, you didn't flip-flop and then right. go back. Right. No, I'm done. I'm, on, I'm, full, I'm full on. I, Danny I, I, Dimes is the future. For as bad as Cam has played in a number of weeks, how many times have I said Jared Stidham needs to come in and play quarterback? Facts. Off and on the air. How many times have I said it? 
Never. Never. I haven't heard you say it once. Uh-huh. And and Cam Newton can't even throw the ball. This is true. Literally, he throws it to the ground. This is true. And five we, yards in front of him. And when have you heard me say I want Matt Barkley as Well, why would you ever say that? Fuck, fuck you, Ken. <laughs> you dick. Like, oh, I've got a franchise quarterback if, over here. Look at me. If I have my choices, if you can't put in Josh Allen, can you put in Cole Beasley just for fun? No, look purposes? at me. I've got Josh Allen over here. Fucking <sighs> egregious. Like... I got to end Oh, that. we got a franchise quarterback for once. Oh, look at us. We're Buffalo Bills. But, hey, I even said. I, yeah, well, I was, how are you stance on the Doug Flutie, Rob Johnson thing, huh? Oh, I saw, Where were you there? I saw with Flutie. Okay. Yeah, I would Rob Johnson with our quarterback. I said he's not the guy. Okay. All right, yeah. fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just wanted to double check. I wanted to check in and see. You could Because I was never that bench, bench Eli guy. Yeah. There was a lot of people that were like, put Jared Lorenzen in. I was never that guy. I was never the bench Tyrod for Nathan Peterman. Okay. Yeah, that's never Tyrod been Tyrod played well. Tyrod played well, yeah. except in the playoffs. And yeah, just, and then it fell apart. Over. Jacksonville was good then. Yeah. Yeah. But that all being said, the music you heard on this episode of the ODPH is out of Brian Wolf. You can find all his music and so much more on the music section at ochodoroparleyhour.com. Also there you can find out the directory, which has all our amazing Podchaser groups, our pod groups via their Podchaser pages, and especially shout-out to the Legion of Independent Podcasts, Pod Nation. The Apocalypse, who is having a pod rate today, so definitely look in the liner notes of this episode and check out the House of Indie, uh, Alternate Reality Radio, and 607 Podcast. Pat, did I get them all? I believe so. I believe so, too, because I'm trying to do this without the script. All that, so much more at OchoDuroParleyHour.com, because that's all we got for this week. So for your coach, my coach, the coach who's swearing at me, Coach <laughs> Good night and good luck. For the one only Padawan J. Uh, dear John Elway, my services are still available. I'm your host, Ken M. Josh Allen is my quarterback. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.